Christmas Eve on IBC. You'll love it. Oh, my gosh. Does that suck? We have spent $40 million on a live TV show. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Now, I have to kill all of you. Excuse me, sir. Uh, I don't want to be out of line here, but, um, well, we've been running that spot now for over a month, and Walt's getting a hell of a response. I am the youngest president in the history of television for a reason. I know the people. Well, uh, granted, but the people already want to watch the show. That isn't good enough! They have got to be so scared to miss it, so terrified! Now, if I were in charge, here's the kind of thing I would have done. Grace, cue it up. Everything about it. Why, hello, it is 7 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker. 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 This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. On this Tuesday. Uh, it is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. If you would like to get on board with uh, whatever it is that's plaguing your brain, whatever thoughts, observations, ruminations, musings, ponderings, whatever it is you got inside your head that's just got to come out, this is where you can do that. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You, uh, you want, you should join us today. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along the observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or what the long-ago Mr. Malvert would call the absurd. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, you want to email, you can do that as well. <coughs> Pardon me, it is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970 uh, dot am. All right, here's what's coming up uh, in today's broadcast. You know, somebody has locked down the screws on the side of my Isn't microphone. Isn't that the most infuriating thing? Seriously, I... 
Because you and I have that same habit where we're constantly wiggling our microphones. For people who uh, people who don't really know, so I'm speaking to you through the Electro Voice RE20, which is the finest vocal transducer known to man. But I know this is hard to believe. I got all these weird OCD traits where every time I come into the studio to start the program, as I'm doing this opening monologue or rap, I have to adjust all of the sort of screws and nuts and bolts on my microphone and get it just so. And I know that everybody in radio does this. It's not like I'm unique in this fashion. But everybody got their own particulars about how a microphone has to be, how your headphones have to be, where everything is adjusted. And so, you can tell if somebody's messed with it. Like, I can tell even if my headphones are put in the exact same position. Oh, you know. If somebody has put them on. Oh, you can tell. That's, you can tell. That is very much a who's been sleeping in my bed kind of a thing. Uh, you, you can spot right away. I don't even have to put my headphones on. I mean, I can open my... And it doesn't happen to me now as much because i got a door and a lock and so forth. But may you put your headphones on, and you can feel, just even as the cuffs are touching the sides of your ears, you can tell if somebody's had your headphones on, probably some stinking godless weekender, uh, and then they've they reassembled them and they've tried to put them back in something approaching the original fashion, but you can tell, dear God, you can tell. And by the way, just uh, confidential to anybody who's working in radio, especially if you're given to using other people's headphones with or without permission, here's the thing you don't ever want to do. Don't ever take your headphones... And then when you're done, decide to put them away by taking that uh, springy, coily cord and wrapping it around the headphones. Please don't do these things. For the love of sweet Jehoshaphat! All right. Well, in any event, uh, it is Tuesday. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us uh, from the hill as the long, long arm of the man reaches further and further into our many orifices to give money to those who can't earn it for themselves. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer is going to talk about the best governor ever, who I guess is now not going to resign. Like two days ago, it was a foregone conclusion. It was a fait accompli that he was going to be stepping out. Yesterday, it was sort of a... Uh, and today, no. So I guess the lawyer says he's just going to stay there, which is great. I hope they have to go and just drag his ass out in like full like four-point restraints. That'd be the best. I think in this time of economic strife and woe and stress and in a sort of dismal, depressing, dank news filling every moment of our lives, I really could stand to see the governor just taken down and just just to have have something savage done to him by the police as he's being taken away. I think that would sort of lift the mood of the national spirit. Anyway, um, what else? Oh, and then CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will be joining us uh, from Los Angeles. Also, uh, the delightful and, dare I say, delectable Katie Darrell will be joining us from TMZ.com. Here's the thing about Katie Darrell. So, you know, uh, we had Nina Parker for a long time from TMZ who was doing the sort of celebrity updates with us. And Nina's very great. She's very great, very straightforward, business-like, whatever. Um, I don't really know that Nina Parker kind of grokked the particular sensibility of this program. I, it, it might have been like uh, some of our uh, past correspondents who let it be known sort of in a back-channel fashion that they did not really appreciate the demeanor in which this program was conducted and asked to no longer uh, have to speak to me. <gasps> Wait, who did? Pat St. Clair. Oh, I remember. You know her. who I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Anyway, who I think had a little secret crush on me, but uh, but apparently... Yeah, uh, in the form of how she never wanted to speak to you again. Well, that's how they show it, Sarah. Yeah. Men throw rocks and they show the love women get restraining, restraining orders. orders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bam. We both went for the restraining orders. Yeah, that's where the comedy is. Um, anyway, so, so Pat St. Clair, who was one of our CNN correspondents uh, way back when... Apparently, at one point, she told the CNN guest booker, she goes, uh, that Rick Emerson, he makes me kind of uncomfortable, so if I could not have to talk to him anymore, that'd be great. And then she was never appeared again. I would sort of ask, and they'd say, oh, she's busy. I, uh, washing her hair. 
also dead mother can't come to the phone sorry uh, but so it, but you know so I think Nina Parker she didn't really uh, take it to that level but I don't think she necessarily uh, I don't think she necessarily got what we do here on this program not that we're geniuses it's just that we're I don't know somewhat off kilter in a certain sense anyway but Katie Darrell uh, I think she totally gets what we're all about. You know, here's how you can tell. Because it wasn't, it wasn't ten seconds into our first event with her, she was going right for Sandy Duncan's glass eye, which is great. And that's that's where humor lives, is in Sandy Duncan's left eye socket. That is where it resides, both figuratively and literally. Also, Katie Darrell from TMC, I hate to... Like, only two or three weeks into our relationship with her, I just hate to sound all creepy, but, boy, she's just an adorable pixie of a girl. Really, just just... She is. She kind of looks like Katie Darrell from TMZ, with whom we will speak later. She kind of looks like it's like a Kate Hudson meets kind of a Carrie Underwood meets Carol Kane in Scrooged, sort of hitting uh, Bill Murray in the face with a toaster oven kind of a thing. Anyway, uh, so we'll talk to uh, to Katie Darrell later on today. We will uh, talk to you about the news hour here in just a skosh, as our Asian friends say. Uh, today's top five, which we will get to. I've already locked in a time with Chris Paddock. Because I feel all bad that yesterday he came in and I'd forgotten to tell Sarah that kind of the okay, song so finding was on her. Well, he's going to be in at 2.15. Yes. Okay. So if you can endeavor to find those songs, that'd be, uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I got the first two. Okay. I got the honorable mention and number five. Uh, so Chris Paddock will join us uh, from Rock 101 KUFO. We will be counting down the top five comeback albums of all time. And the story that these we're going to sort of go with is... I mean, it's not even yesterday's news. It's like last month's news at this point. But it's because Britney Spears has the number one album with uh, Circus, which is great, by the way. Title track, exceptional. Um, so we have a Britney watch coming up today. And then in aid of that, the top five comeback albums of all time. Geek watch coming up today. Bush watch coming up today. Uh, Joy of Xmas today. And don't forget... One random on-air caller today will win... The Man Called Flintstone on DVD. Yes, it's the Flintstones' first full-length movie from 1968. The unmistakable Fred Flintstone is mistaken for a famous international spy. The famed secret agent, Rock Slag. Well, it's just really scraping the bottom of the barrel for wacky Stone Age names. Has been injured on assignment. Now Fred must step in with the help of his family and his neighbors, the Rubles. The Rubbles. Whatever. Originally released theatrically in 1966, now available from Warner Home Video. One random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Man Called Flintstone on DVD, which I do believe has uh, a commentary and some outtakes and some documentary uh, footage about the Flintstones. So I kid, I poke fun, but the Flintstones is kind of a groundbreaking uh, cartoon in many ways. Also, it's an animated sitcom that has a laugh track, which always kind of weirds me out, because you have... I'm not a fictitious audience. I mean, clearly there are real people laughing, but it's people on the laugh track laughing at a cartoon. I mean, I don't know if that was some sort of weird, like, early surrealist sort of humor, or if it was meant to be meta in some way, or like a commentary on a on a statement, on an observation, on a thing. I just... Anyway. So it's a, you know, an audience laughing at a cartoon, which is, in fact, based on a sitcom, which is, in fact, based on, I, I believe, a series of short stories. It's all just very weird. Um... All right, so uh, there you go. So that's coming up today uh, as well. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Hello. I'm doing well, despite the fact, like, once a month I'll have this thing where... Um, oh, well, I know. Where I'll try to go to bed early. Oh. I'll try to go to bed early, and then I wake up at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning and can't yeah. go back to sleep. Yeah. Yep. So that was me. So I woke up at 3 in the morning and read an entire book. What did you read? <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. I'm going to guess. Uh, it was either a Christopher Pike novel... In the same... Sweet Valley High... 
close. Boxcar children? Babysitter's club? Yes. Really? Yes. I was just making crap up. No, no. When I went back to my parents' house, because they still have all of our books from high school, and so I'm like, I want to bring Seriously. And it is the worst. It, I wanted to bring it in, too, because the gender stereotypes are ridiculous, because it's about... Um, Marianne. And, uh, Wait, this is the Babysitter's Club. The babysitter's Keep in mind, I'm a man, so I've never read the Babysitter's Club. I just sort of know about it because my wife read them all as a kid. Okay, well, I needed something mindless because I'm still, um, you know, I'm reading a couple other books, but I know that would have kept me awake. Sure. I'm like, I need something mindless to read. And when I'd gone to Bremerton, I brought back, like, some Christopher Pike books, yes, because I am 28. And um, and I found this Babysitter's Club book that, I could, that I'd never read before. Now, is it a series? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculous series. And what is the premise of the Babysitter's Club series? This is the Rick Emerson show where pop culture lives. So I mean, that's, it's a fair question. It's like it's it's um, a, a group of girls who get together and they have meetings like once a week and they all like babysit the neighborhood kids. Are they wackily diverse? Like, is one a brainiac and like yes, one is a cheerleader? And... That's exactly what it is. Like, there's there's Don. One is ambiguously vegan, ethnic. And there's Claudia, who's like exotic looking, and she's the exotic artist. looking. Exotic. They always yeah. describe her almond shaped eyes. Seriously. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yeah, so I was reading this thing, and it's all about how the kids had to get married, and they had to have their baby as an egg. Like, they, they had an I egg I don't understand. In their home. What do you mean class. the kids had to get married? Oh, in the home. Not like in a not like in a cult religion yes. sex temple <laughs> kind of way. Not a religious cult sex temple, no. Not in a Brigham Young way. No, so they no. all had to pretend to be married. It was weird seeing um, just the gender stereotypes, because it's like, uh, cause I guess there were only 13 girls and like nine boys in the class, and, or, or vice versa, and right. the boys were like, I don't want to be the wife in the marriage. Who's going to be the wife? And it's like, two boys can't be married. And it was just, well, it was weird, because it's from about, you know, 15 years ago. Brainwash them young, Sarah. So, so yeah, so I, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And how long is the average babysitter's club book? Um, I mean, it's big print, obviously, lots of white space. But, I mean, how long did it take you to read that? Oh, like an hour. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I got up and read that, and then uh, yeah, and then I just watched some crap TV, and then just basically laid there. All right. Well, good for you. Thanks. But um, yeah. But I mean, at least I, I feel a little rested. But that happens once a month where I just can't sleep. Yeah. No, it's fine. You know what? I, I no longer try to go to bed early. I mean, we've talked about our weird That's sleep just, cycles before. I know, and I was exhausted, but I, it just it always screws me up. No, and Lara, you know, God bless her, but Lara, as much as. We've talked about this before, that my wife and I, Laura and I have talked about this to, 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 for, you know, to a great extent. My wife and I are very much like that Lady Hawk thing, you know, with Rutger Hauer and Matthew Broderick and whoever, uh, where she's very much a morning person and outgoing and whatever, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of a nighttime person and I'm very solid, you know, solitary and whatever. And I just can't go to sleep before, you know, midnight or 1 a.m. And if I try, it just doesn't work out. And I will get to the end of, I mean, we've had a difficult couple of weeks here and everybody sort of knows the deal with that. But, um... And we'll talk more about Sam Riley and about the news hour and all of that here in just a few minutes. But so I've just been at the just at the tail end of just a real, real exhausting uh, December so far. I mean, it's just been just just been a death march. And normally, you know, and I've talked about it, I take this drug called Trazodone, which is this sort of uh, it's this great kind of non-narcotic sleeping aid. So it, it, like it's not habit forming, but of course the downside of that is it doesn't get you high at all. It just it's just functional. It just helps you sleep with no. You know, like no added bonus of uh, tangerine trees and marmalade skies popping through your head or whatever. But I take this, and normally about 45 minutes is the time frame for when it puts me to sleep. Because it says on the front, take one hour before bedtime. And normally it takes the full hour, and then I gently drift off to sleep. Mm. Last couple of weeks, man, I take a tr I, I've actually cut down to where I'm taking half a pill because the full pill was just was just completely like conking me out forever. But I'm taking half a pill, and like nine minutes later, I'm asleep because I'm just exhausted all the time recently. But, of course, I sleep all the way through the night without waking up because I'm exhausted. But when I wake up in the morning, still exhausted. 
not rested at all. It's like a completely, it's a completely unconscious, dreamless, yet utterly non-revitalizing kind of sleep. Mm-hmm. But I tried to go to bed earlier, and that doesn't help at all. So no, but I'm, and my point is, I'm with you on that. I realize you just can't. There's some nights you just your body just doesn't want to no, turn off. To, and I gotta go with it. And you just have to go with it. Like there's, I can't get angry. I can't force myself to sleep. But I, I read books about like sleepy wells. Just like try and make your bed primarily for sleep. So whenever I can't sleep, I'll, I'll try and get up and like. You gotta go out to the living room. Yeah, yeah that's what I did. I went out to the living room and I read my book. And if you're sitting there doing like the morning jumble or something in bed, then it's like you just... Uh, then you have to associate like, bed, bed with sleep. sleep. So, yeah. yeah, so I would get up and then I'd read a little bit of the book and then go back and lay down and lay there for like a half hour. I'm like, okay, this isn't... Yeah. See, and the problem with me is uh, right now I'm reading that first Twilight book and so I'm reading that but then reading the Twilight book inevitably starts making me, because it's about vampires, inevitably starts making me think about zombies and then I just... The problem with the living room is the Xbox is there and that Xbox Live is That's never I off. Had to, I had to stay away from the computer because I'm like, well, I can play Dude. on the internet, but I know it'll be too stimulating. Oh man, you don't you don't know from stimulating. I uh, that Xbox Live is always running. It's like hot and cold running zombies just plugged into the wall, taunting me all the time, whispering their sweet siren song of undead mayhem. And I'll sit there and I'll be reading the book, and I'll look over at the Xbox controller, and then I look back at the book, and then I look back at the Xbox. You know, and it's just, it's like Jared Leto in Requiem for a Dream, just looking at that dose of heroin sitting on the shelf going, well, I mean, we got to test the product before we sell it, right? I, all right, tie me off! You know, and then the next thing you know, it's like 2 a.m., and I'm sitting there plunging through a hospital with a shotgun, you know, trying to aim for the head. Anyway, it's just a whole thing. So, all right, Babysitter's Club, Sarah, last night. Yes, Fantastic. I'm, yeah, I'm crazy. Oh, yeah, and I went over to Lisa Woods, and we, yeah, we hung out. Nice. I'm, I'm having, like, all, like, work girlfriends lately. It's been fun. Yes. So I've never, because I... In the past seven years we've worked with, I've never had girls my own age to work with. Well, because it's, you know... All dudes. Yeah. And then when I worked at Coin, it was just like, yeah, all old newscaster people. Who probably who hated each other and you. Yes. Right. yes. Uh, we're joined today uh, by Richie Bristol as well, our intrepid PA. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing good. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so, I came in the other day and all of this ramen had appeared in the studio. Yeah. What There's was like, that? You brought like a huge box of oh, it. Oh, the Kung Fu? Yeah, it's called Kung Fu Ramen. Is that like a joke? Is that the gag? No, it's actual ramen from Vietnam. I don't know why they name it. Kung so, there's like, but there was a huge case of it in the kitchen and there's a bunch in your office. And then there's big packets of ramen here in the studio. So yeah. these are from you. To what do we owe? Why do you have all this? Because I get them for presents. Like my relatives, they they box out, they uh, wrap. Like them. for what kind of presents? Like Christmas and birthday presents. Your, I get your relatives gives you top ramen. <laughs> yeah. They, well, I was fatter, and so they think I need food. <laughs> but I mean, top ramen is really is that um, is this perhaps a cultural thing of some kind? No, I think it was a Richie's fat thing needs food. So they Richie's decided to give you a lot of starch. Yeah. So they decided to box up top ramen and give it to you for Christmas. Yeah, they go to Costco and they buy. Are there like, hard times in the Bristol family, I, or I don't know, just just me though. I mean, I open it up and I get food. Everybody else gets cool presents. Really, that's fantastic. But it's not just that you get food. And less people think that I'm kidding. It's right here, like it's an actual brick of top ramen, like the regular off the shelf. As it's and I'm what's reading. It, what's the brand of it? Well, I'm reading this off the package, Sarah. Let's make that clear up front. Instant Oriental noodle soup. Shrimp flavor. Kung Fu, it says. And of course, the, and of course, Kung Fu the brand? A, a Kung Fu brand. And again, as it says here on the package, instant oriental noodle soup. So this is what your relatives gave you for Christmas? Yeah, I got a box of that. Is this because you dress like a woman sometimes? Uh, well, I was Is this say, like a sort of passive, like, you know, we have to give Richie something? Well, I was going to say they what didn't know that. What can we give that, that says we don't like him? Uh, I don't know. How about the top ramen? Yeah, we give him top ramen. Till he start dressing like a man. 
You can't talk like that, Rich. Oh, no, no, I can because that's how Richie depicts his family. That's oh, yeah. True, and we're in our safe box. Isn't that true? Yeah. yeah you know what? In this studio, Sarah, uh, all of the normal rules of uh, human decorum are suspended. This is true. All right. Well, in any event. Well, okay. So so this is just, it's not for decoration. Like, this can be no, had. this is real. Okay. Well, you put yeah. it in the kitchen. The weekenders will take it home. Yep. All right. Uh, when do we have Lisa? Bottom of the hour? Yeah. So we Damn, man. we got a break. A, I flipped uh, Jim and Lisa. She's working on a story. So all right. I don't even have time to talk about uh, about the, the drive to, to Beaverton this morning. And just one little, just a little side note from me to you. This is a confidential to uh, what rhymes with, what's alliterative with, with P? Uh, Portland, driving, highway, motoring. Ah, here we go. Confidential to motoring in Multnomah. When you're on a road that is completely dry and devoid of snow, of ice, or any kind, you're now allowed to go more than 10 miles an hour. I understand if you're on some sort of a side street that is maybe all slicked up and they haven't quite gotten there with the sand or the chemicals or the, just the sheer traffic hasn't worn the snow away. When you're on a road that's completely bare and dry, go the regular speed. I had to go to Beaverton this morning for the Outlook Portland thing, and as soon as I got out of the southeast, I'm like going on that, uh, where you get by Ryerson's Hardwood down the street where it takes you on to 26, and this is a completely dry road, and everybody's going 12 miles an hour. I got stuck. I couldn't get my car out this morning. I actually drove to work because I forgot my phone, and I'd walked down to the bus stop, so I had to run yeah. back to my house. And Yeah, I got on my side street. I got stuck there yeah. for a minute. Well, see, but that's on the side street. I mean, you're yeah, allowed to... Yeah, the main to, streets were just fine. There's a couple things you're not allowed to do as of right now today, unless there's like nine inches of snow that come down in the next 15 minutes. Minutes. You're not allowed to drive under 50 miles an hour, and you're not allowed to call in sick to work or show up late claiming that I just can't get anywhere because of the weather. Okay, and can I please just Stifle say one thing? Stifle that. Whoever's in here and chewing all the pens, could you please stop? It is so That's gross. It's not going to happen. All right. Let's take a break here. We'll come back with uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer around the corner. Jim Roop. All right. Uh, back after this with CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Later on, uh, Amanda Moyer. We'll talk to Lisa Desjardins. And at noon, we will welcome... Former KPOJ news person and sidekick on the Tom Hartman Show, Heidi Tauber, joining us here on the Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there. Back after that. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. That was golden. I wish there were webcams in here. Oh, thanks, jerk. <laughs> what was that you hit your leg on? Was it a big know, piece like of the some, cabinet yeah, sticking out? Some panels off of the cabinet. That was fantastic. I, swear, I look like a cracker with all the bruises that I have on my legs. I'm always banging them on my bicycle or whatever. Uh-huh, on your bicycle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that because you talk back to the bicycle one too many times? <laughs> you look the bicycle in the eye when it clearly told you not to? All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? Good morning. How is life in uh, the Golden State? No, it's not the Golden State. It's the... Uh, this, it is the Golden State. What did, I, thought, I thought Colorado was the Golden State. No. What's Colorado? Colorado is north. <laughs> Does it make any sense? What do you mean it's north? It's north of me. Well, everything's north of you. That's um, right. Colorado is the something state. You are, in fact, it's the Golden the, State? Uh, it's the Rocky Mountain State. Sure. Now, let's just, you know, here's the thing. I don't know whether it's true or not, so we'll just, we'll just say that it is. All right. How's life? How are things? It's the state of Mork. I have uh, to I have to say this, by the way, just before we go any further, uh, and I appreciate your attempt to make a pop culture reference with the Mork and Mindy observation there. Um, by the way, while I'm thinking about Mork and Mindy, am I misremembering this, or is there a moment in the Mork and Mindy opening credits when they are, in fact, standing on top of goalposts? Yes, they are. 
How do you suppose that even... Is there any explanation in the series as to how that would have happened? Is that just because of Mork's extraterrestrial-like superpowers? Well, you can get a ladder and get up there. And it's just him. It's not her. She's ah. urging him down. All right, okay. So, so maybe because he... Did, you know, because maybe he's because in, he leaped there. He's, uh, he shimmied up. I don't know. I don't want to think about Robin Williams shimmying, like if it's all the same to you. Uh, <laughs> just before we go any further, though, I have to say uh, that I've gotten more email over the last couple of days since your discussion on this program Friday about your Christmas decorations and about putting the second string of lights all the way at the core of the tree inside yeah. from dudes who were either A, uh, ecstatic because now they have a you know something else they can do. They have an additional decorative idea for the home, or or guys who thought that they were the only ones who did something like that, and they are pleased to hear that you, Jim Roop, a deity among broadcasters and men, uh, you know, are actually do it as well. So it's like a uh, it's like an endorsement and a reinforcement uh, of something they well, were already doing. Here's the thing, truly, and my wife doesn't exactly know this. That that's what I do. How many great stories start with that? Now, look, uh, my wife doesn't know about this. The thing is, to make it so she goes, how did you do that? Right. And I say, it's a super secret. All right. Well, it's just, you can't reveal it. Um... But thank you very much. Well, it's what I do. Uh, so before we before we do anything else, I do want to talk about this inauguration thing a little bit because I was watching CNN, and they're like, I have no idea how many people are going to be at Obama's inauguration. Is that anything that happens at the mall, you know, by the Washington Monument or whatever? Yeah, you know what? There's a lot of talk, and I'm sure Lisa and, and Dick Giuliano can, can expound on this, maybe even Constantini. Um, they're talking about millions of people. And even if they get a million people, that's a lot more than there has been in a long time. Right. So it's it's destined to be the largest inauguration in several years, if not in the history of inaugurations. So they've asked L.A. County to send you know 350 deputies to help with security there. I mean, because there's a you know even a million people. Like I've never been to the, I've never I mean I've been to Washington D.C. but I've never been to that mall area. So I don't even really know if there's that many people that can fit in that I thought it was place. the Capitol Steps. Is that near the mall? Is I'm, it the Capitol Steps? I, that's, I, that's what I understood. I don't know. See, I here's the thing. Wrong. Because I know everything about life from movies and television, when I think about the Capitol Steps, it's like the first time I saw the Supreme Court building. And the Supreme Court building is huge. It's just massive. But, of course, in my brain, it always just looks like, uh, you know, it always looks like it does in the Pelican Brief or, like, presumed innocent or something. Oh, yeah. where I'm just picturing the doorway where the defense lawyer comes out after having seen an innocent man railroaded by a country that wanted simple vengeance. And then stopping at the top of the steps to have a bunch of microphones shoved into his face while the uh, triumphant prosecutor walks by him, uh, you know, into a limousine while evil music plays underneath. So I have no actual sense or idea of how big anything is. I have no real sense of scale for anything. I've only been to Washington, D.C. once, and it was on a business thing, so I, I didn't get a chance to enjoy I didn't see any of that stuff. Right. So I have no idea. I mean, if it's that big, maybe a million people can fit there. I maybe. Know. I don't know. i I got to give it up for whoever plans and coordinates that kind of a thing, though, because it's like that Times Square thing every year in New York where you just... You just wonder how the thing just doesn't turn into some kind of open air riot every every December. I, I everybody's just drunk, so nobody cares. I suppose, but I mean, I, but here's the other thing about that: it's it so cold. I think that helps. That it just sort of uh, that it just sort of puts people into some sort of a suspended animation state. It's like uh, it's like that thing. I had an, I bought an ant farm earlier on this year uh, because at Brookstone they now sell this ant farm that's about. It's totally targeted at guys like me, like nerds with some disposable income. It's an ant farm for like for like fifty five dollars, and it has this weird space age gelatinous goo inside that glows in the dark. So it's not just like sand or whatever. But then you got to mail away for the ants, and so about six weeks later, you get this tube of ants in the mail, 
And they tell you, well, before you attempt to touch these ants, put them in the freezer for 10 minutes. Because it just kind of puts them to some weird, like, half-asleep, like, suspended animation, Walt Disney's head <laughs> underneath the Magic Kingdom kind of a thing. And then you can dump them into the ant farm. So maybe there's something to be said for that with Times Square, because the only time I was ever in New York City on New Year's Eve... My wife and I stayed at a hotel that was right in Times Square, at the Crown Plaza there. And we sort of stayed at these dirt hole uh, hotels the rest of our trip so we would, you know, to kind of save up the money to afford to be able to stay at the Crown Plaza in Times Square on New Year's Eve. And as part of that, they do this kind of great deal where when it gets to be like 10 minutes to midnight, they'll they'll kind of come by all your rooms and they'll be like, Sir, if you would like to go down and take part in the New Year's festivities, the elevator is now leaving. And... <laughs> You sort of, why in the, you know, and there's the guy like with the, the like the crushed velvet jacket with the gold buttons on the front, and he walks you to the elevator, and this is like the only moment where you can ever sort of feel like the man, both in good and bad ways. He walks you to the elevator, the elevator goes straight down, they escort you through the lobby, right out the front doors, and then into this special cordoned off area that is right in the middle of the Times Square festivities. I mean, like. Two, wow. Like like a hundred yards from the MTV building or whatever, and you walk out there, and it almost kind of feels like you're cheating. You almost feel like the Rosie Ruiz of of New Year's, <laughs> of New, of New Year's celebrations. Like you know what I mean? Like you didn't work for it. You that weren't was there. Beautiful. You you weren't there all day, like struggling, trying to make your way to the front. Like you, your ass just ducked in at the very end. Uh, and so we walk right on out and. Laura and I just have time to go, can you see? Can you see? Yeah, hey, look, there, it's dropping. Bing! You know, and then and then Dick Clark gibbers uh, something and sort of jerks around spasmodically, and then we kiss, and then we walk back inside to our room. And so it was sort of great, but as we found out later on, I mean, however much that may have felt like I was sort of uh, getting the insincere version of the experience, we found, and this is post-9-11, so maybe there's something to do with it, we found out that A... They don't let you bring, once you get into that area of Times Square that is roped off for the celebration on New Year's, you can't bring any water or any liquid of any kind in with you. Also, there are, improbably enough, no bathrooms. And people are getting there at like 10 a.m. Oh, and so, so Larn and I had this, with this, this whole question, which is still unanswered, about how are people surviving for like 14 hours? I mean, I can't... Clearly, See, that's that's a sidebar for casting bombs. That's what I'm saying. Bodily functions don't cease, my friend. Even at the Rose Parade, there are porta potties everywhere. Oh yeah, no, no, no. You go to the parade with your ticket, you get you get a you get a seat. Yeah, not in New York. So I mean, so kudos in advance to whoever's trying to put together this uh, this inauguration wow. because you you factor in. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, in 2004 or whatever, New York had a greatly heightened sense of security. But I can tell you, that ain't nothing compared to what Obama's got about around him at this point. Now, I was told that they're expecting some 10,000 buses. Where are they going to park those? They're going to have to empty that, that big pool around the Washington Mall just to park the buses in there. I don't know. I have know. no idea where they're going to put them. I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, it, it's just insane. Um, and uh, finally, I want to make sure we get to this. So this guy, this Anthony uh, Pelicano guy. Yeah. So... Just to bring everybody up to speed, so this guy was he was a, he was a private detective, he was a PI. Right. But this is the guy, and he was wiretapping a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, he, he used and... to get hired by you know some you know some pretty heavyweight people uh, to try and either dig up dirt on those uh, they're uh, they're battling in lawsuits or even personal confrontations, or uh, you know divorce settlements that kind of thing. He'd wiretap phones, and I mean there's just scores and scores of audio tape illegally wiretapped. That was used in two trials. This guy's convicted on six dozen charges, wiretapping, racketeering, the whole gambit. 
and he only gets 15 years, <laughs> but he's 64. Right. So, I mean, that's a, that's a long time, and, and I think he'll spend at least 13 in there. Because of all the restrictions, I'm sure they'll lower it. Too. Well, and you got to figure that that's a guy who uh, that's a guy who irritated enough people with reach and power and money and fame and leverage that uh, that may be an unenjoyable 15 years, even by prison standards. Well, there were some big targets: Sylvester Stallone, yeah. uh, the guy's the head of uh, Brian Gray, I think was his name, the head of Paramount Studios. Right. I mean, some big dudes uh, that that he targeted. It's just amazing when you start to uh, you would think that these folks had more power than somebody like Pelicano. But he just uh, he just he just did his thing, yeah. and then, oh, he got caught eventually. Well, for a was, long time, he made a lot of money. If I was that guy, I'd be pitching a uh, a reality show uh, because it's inevitable that somebody's going to do an in prison reality show. And so, what better guy with the connections? So. You know, and he's kind of weird. He he's not he's not really a, a, a wise guy type, you know. But he's like he doesn't he doesn't say, hey, how you doing? He doesn't talk like that, but. But he's got that air about him, that arrogance about him. You right. know, when he walks down, he's just a little guy. When he walks down the hall, you know, he, he he thinks he's a lot bigger than life. And I guess, you know, that's what caught up with him. But he acted as his own attorney in both trials, never took the stand. Uh, it was just it was just the strangest thing. And we got to wrap this up here momentarily. But our, our final note, I don't know if you have anything like this in Los Angeles. Uh, I would like to think that we are breaking new ground here in Oregon for once. They've just launched this uh, new magazine newspaper thing here in Oregon called... I swear to you, it's true. I'm holding it in my hands. It is a new magazine called Look Who's Been Busted. <laughs> it's the best thing. you got to go online. I think there's a website for this. But it re it's like one of those penny saver, like nickel newspaper ad things. It's a, it's a dollar, and they sell it at some of our finer convenience stores. And it really is just pages and pages and pages of mug shots with the name, what they were charged with, you know, and and then like the, their booking shot, as well as people who are on the lam, and then there's a whole section of people who are just sex offenders who are either wanted or who are going to the clink. So I mean, it really is just some fantastic reading. See, there are three things we're missing. We're missing that that that, that thing that who's been guess look who's been busted. We're missing the borrow the car and drive it around and let it park somewhere. Yeah. And and the and the way you guys park with the meters and the parking thing. We're yeah. missing those. If we had those, we'd be set. But you guys are way advanced. Well, you know I what? Love that's, you. that's why Californians keep flocking to our state in record numbers, sir. Well, put up those little spikes and say, don't back up. <laughs> I'm on it. All right, Jim Rupert, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, sir. All right, we will talk to you then. And uh, until then, may the good news be yours, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. All right, there you go. Is it warm in here? It is really very warm. We should turn down the heat a All little right. bit. I'm going to go for it. All right. Uh, it is 503 uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Just a moment. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer later on. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. The top five with Chris Paddock, Katie Darrell from TMZ, and uh, the news with Heidi Tauber, who will be uh, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley today. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Center in Atlanta, formerly the home of Sid and Marty Croft's Croft World. Amanda Moyer, hello there. Hi. Let me ask you this. We talk a lot about that escalator there. Is the escalator that goes from the bottom of the CNN Center all the way to the top, is it sort of like a like a freestanding escalator in, in, in the sense that you could kind of tumble off the side if maybe you'd had two, one, two, you know, like one too many at the Turner holiday party, or is it, is it like protected somehow? Well, it is a little bit protected, but it is, it is freestanding, but there are uh, high walls kind of on it. But I guess depending on just how many you had, you you could tumble over the side. Just like if somebody was really sort of determined, that might be a place, because then you're guaranteed at least, you know, a little news coverage of it. <laughs> well, that's true. You could definitely get news coverage. All right. Uh, so this, the, the evolution or devolution of our friend Rod Blagojevich just continues to amaze me. I, I can't, 
I can't even keep track. I feel like I need some sort of like one of those weird bingo cards they used to have at my Catholic church where you don't blot it, but it's like a little red a little red plastic tab that slides over the over the number and then you can reset it immediately when things change. So two days ago he was probably gonna resign. Yesterday they didn't know, and now his attorney just says, No, probably not. You'll have to burn him out like a tick. So where are we today with this guy? Well, that's where we are. Uh, he has he has hired uh, criminal defense attorney Ed Jensen. He's a high-profile Chicago lawyer. Uh, he also uh, Jensen represented R. Kelly. Uh, Jensen says that Blagojevich hasn't done anything wrong. He's not going to step aside, and he says there's more to this case. Uh, so that's what he's saying. Meantime, the members of the Illinois House of Representatives, that panel that we were talking about yesterday, right. they met for the first time to. Uh, if there's a basis to impeach the governor and so but the the outcome of that is almost i mean everybody's been on the impeachment uh, you know bandwagon for i mean it's in, almost since the day this started so the, the outcome of that does seem like a bit of a foregone conclusion whatever the timeline ends up being it does seem that way and a lot of the members that are on there have been very critical of the governor but they say that they want to go through all the motions so the proceedings will be fair to make sure that there really is a basis. They're, they're specifically saying that it's not a committee to impeach the governor, but it's rather an investigation. However, they do say they're going to work every day except for the holidays, but it could take weeks before they come up with a report to give to the full Illinois House. I do like the idea that this guy is basically being raked over the coals because he was allegedly trying to sell off Barack Obama's vacated Senate seat. And even now that they're getting ready to try to drum him out of office, the one thing he still retains the power to do, right, is just to sort of stick somebody in there. That This time, that's exactly what he does. And they are trying to uh, turn that around uh, and, and hold a special session to change that law, whether that would either would make it go to a special election or if he's ousted, that could possibly go to Pat Quinn, who's the lieutenant governor. But as you said, I mean, every day it's like it's like a soap opera. Tune in to find out what is happening next. And it just seems like it's going on and on each day, and there's something juicy each day, okay. too. I'm telling you this. It's just my little free legal – I am not a lawyer, but a little free legal tip uh, from me to uh, Rod Blagojevich. I mean, you would think in the post-Nixon era, everybody would just sort of assume that everything was being taped by at least three different cameras and a wireless microphone. But that being said – I think what he should start doing is this. I don't know if you remember uh, when Nixon made one of his, before he resigned, Nixon made one of those appearances from the, from the Oval Office, and he's sitting there behind the desk of the presidency, and he has next to him just this huge stack of transcripts, because rather than actually releasing the tapes you know, uh, regarding Watergate, he was going to release this, uh, this expurgated transcript of some of the conversations with all of these expletives deleted and just all of the stuff sort of blacked out for reasons of national security. And everybody was sort of irritated by it. I think Rob Blagojevich should do something like that, but just twisted into a bit of a power play. Or everywhere he goes, he should just have a stack of cassette tapes underneath his arm and just not even really reference them, not even really talk about them specifically, just sort of have them there in kind of a quasi-menacing fashion so that anybody out there who's had conversations with him might, uh, you know, it, it might sort of infer that there was something bad on them. Well, it might work considering every day he's still going to work. He's still being the governor and going there and, and taking part in state business despite all the stuff that's going around him and the pressure to resign. I'm just saying it would be sort of like when Heidi Fleiss was kind of doing the business of waving around her black book going, well, if you want, I mean, if you really want to push me, I can, uh, I can reveal these names, Charlie Sheen. So just a little advice from me to the governor, whether he takes it or not, anybody's guess. Uh, Amanda Moyer, as always, a pleasure. We will talk to you very soon. Sounds good. Thank you. There you go. Amanda Moyer.
She's CNN warming up to you. Radio Center. Well, you know, they. Here's the thing, Sarah. Is at first they uh, they pretend that they don't like me. Then they pretend that they're sort of tolerating me. Then it's sort of a grudging kind of amusement, like I'm an entertaining but not terribly bright child that they don't quite understand. Then inevitably they just embrace the fact that this is the best part of their day. I mean, really, we just have to be. Uh, this is true. We have to be honest. Okay. Did Peter Carlin ask you if you wanted to see his underwear? Hold on. Richie, this wasn't, was this you offering to show Peter your underwear, or did he ask if you wanted to see his? Is he wearing blue underwear? Did you, did you in fact look at Peter Carlin's underwear? No, but they're green. Did he volunteer this information? Okay. Esteemed journalist Peter Carlin will be uh, lurking about. Uh, wearing green underwear. Uh, today wearing green underwear. Wait, hold on. What color underwear are you wearing? Um. Mine are blue with white polka dots. I mine think. are red with white polka dots. You stop it. You get out of my head. <laughs> All right. Hey, wait. Richie, what color underwear are you wearing? Oh, God. He's not he's wearing looking. any. No, no, no. He's not wearing any. I know what that silence means. Never mind. All right, back after this. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program coming up later on today. Seeing a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. Uh, we'll have today's top five, top five comeback albums of all time. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com around the corner. Laid off Portland media professional Heidi Tauber filling in for the laid off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Stay there. Here's Ozzy Osbourne. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I don't think he's allowed to speak today, but Peter Carlin is sitting to my immediate right and wearing the greenest of underwear. And I believe needing a pair of headphones yeah. so you can hear the, the day's amusements. Okay. Hey, uh, Richie Bristol, can we find the... They don't really have to be good. No offense. Uh, Scabies infested. We have this, uh, well, we have this pair that, like, it's like when you buy a Walkman at, at Woolworths. Like the little crappy ones? Yeah, I mean, that's not the scientific term for those, <laughs> but I, uh, we yeah. like to call them modest. We like to call them, um... Our frugal headphones. That's exactly it. No, 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 they're, you know, they're the people's headphones. Uh, so Richie's going to bring those in so you can hear today's program, Peter. Can I just tell you one thing? Mm-hmm. Um... When I was in London... Can I comment on the fact that you're carrying a Starbucks cup, which in fact matches your sweater? I was See, I told you how uh -huh. color-coordinated co I am. Yeah. Um, when I was in London working on my Paul McCartney book, um, I was talking to Hugh Padgham, the producer of Genesis and all those guys, who, who did a record with Paul in the mid-'80s. It didn't turn out very well. And when I was in his studio with him over several hours, I came to be acquainted with many things about his life. One of them is the extreme significance that he holds for headphones and the treatment thereof. Oh, we were just talking about it at the we, beginning of today's show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was complaining angrily and in some detail about certain bands who treat headphones like, and then he had a, a one of those bad words that British people use and still make it sound right. sophisticated. Right. And he was on the and on. With kite. And he was... Uh, yeah, except he wasn't using the, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we were actually just uh, earlier on in the program, we were uh, talking about that because the, see, and Sarah leaves her headphones 
in the studio. And I think that's a mistake because they, I feel like they've been touched a lot. No, they, they get, now they get defiled by all manner. You can just feel it. I know they're skeezy. stretched out, and you can feel like someone with a bigger head is like pulled, you know, the length. Out no, of the that's longer. the thing. And then the ear cups get all turned around or whatever, yeah. and then there's like some sort of weird, like ill-defined goo all over the inside, and you oh. can't quite tell, you know, whence it derives. And it's a whole. And you always bad. have the problem with people wearing them, and then wrapping your cord around. Them. And seriously, yeah. and it's like that's like Radio 101 that when you have the coily sort of cord on your headphones that you don't wrap it around them, especially because. First of all, because it's a dead giveaway. Like, if you're going to use somebody else's headphones without permission, and this is this will be the end of the headphone discussion after this, because it's really like an isolated problem in this world. But if you're going to use somebody else's headphones, at least try to cover your tracks a little bit. I mean, if you're not going to ask permission, at least leave me the illusion that they haven't been wrapped around some slimy weekender's head, uh, you know, on like a Sunday night and then jammed back into my drawer like you were jamming a pair of dirty boxer shorts underneath the couch. Did so, you just say slimy weekender? You know what I'm talking about. Um... <laughs> You know, but then they take the thing of wrapping the coil around the headphones, uh, which is like the worst possible way, because as Jordan once said, Michael Jordan said, you know, when you're on the court, he says, just you and your shoes. And when you come to the studio, it's just me and my sparkling wit and these headphones from Sony. So there you go. All right. Is Peter's mic on? It is. We should turn it off. Okay. <laughs> no offense. Well, let's give me a little bit of slapback, as Hugh Padgett would say. It is 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining the Rick Emerson Radio Program on this Tuesday. Coming up later on today, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, from the Hill about the ever-groping hand of the man in your wallet and mine. Uh, we will uh, talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. We'll do the top five comeback albums of all time with our good friend Chris Paddock. And we had something else coming up that eludes me now and so forth. Uh, Geek Watch, Bush Watch, Joy of Christmas, all of that uh, on the way. So uh, if you've been listening the last few days, if you've gone to uh, rickemerson.com, you've seen that for the remainder of this year, we are going to be having a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley, who uh, was laid off uh, last week. His last last Monday uh, was his uh, final day with the show, uh, for this point in time anyway. And We've had, I think, uh, Byron Beck, Tom Parker, Don Taylor, yesterday, Todd Tulsis. And uh, there's really no way, I was going to say for good or for bad, but it really is just for bad and for slightly less bad. There does seem to be uh, just like an endlessly growing list of people in Portland media who've been sacked, out, gone, fired from one job or another. So we've uh, been trying to contact as many of those folks as possible and saying, uh, would you know, would you, do, you, do you fancy a day reading the news? Um, and so we are uh, very pleased, very proud and honored to welcome to the Rick Emerson uh, program today um, a woman who has spent uh, more than her fair share of time before behind more than her fair share of microphones here in Portland. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Heidi Tauber, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I just mispronounced your name after clarifying its pronunciation like five minutes ago. It is Tauber. Tauber. Tauber Slaughter. You can say Tauber if you want. Tauber. Just call me. I'm no. thrilled. No. <laughs> Either way. Boy, radio's sad. Um, so we want to thank you so much for uh, for joining us here today. Uh, do you, My are pleasure. You, do you feel the excitement welling within every fiber of your being? Oh, are you kidding? I couldn't sleep. It's, it's all giddy. I'm going everywhere to find new stuff. I'm, you know, of course I'm excited. This is one of those things you can't get out of your Bringing system. So. I will tell you this, actually. Speaking of, this is, the, this is the only inside radio story I will tell in this segment. And then we move forward with actual broadcasting. Because there's so many. Because, well, because it's just, because the news news don't stop, baby. It's, I can't uh, keep, um, go. Uh, but 
we have been kind of moving through this list of people who have been laid off, uh, you know, within the, the recent past here in Portland. And sometimes broadcasters, sometimes TV people, sometimes on, uh, you know, the, the, on, behind the camera, in front of the camera. Print people, too. Writers, <laughs> editors. I mean, we've heard from a whole lot of folks, and we're going to be talking to a whole lot more. There is one person who I will not identify, somebody who shall remain nameless, uh, who was on the radio in Portland for a long time. And, I, and now I'm doing that thing that I hate. Where, like, you know, a celebrity who you would all know... I think I know where you're going. So. Shooting up next to me in the men's room at Heathrow. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but there was a radio person who you know, been on, it was a broadcaster in Portland for a long time. And we dropped this person a call last week and we said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, we're having some Portland, you know, some laid off Portland media folks come in and fill in for Tim Riley. And, uh, you know, your name came to mind. Obviously, uh, you are very well respected. Would you like to do this? And this person said without a moment's hesitation, said, I have broken the radio addiction and I am not coming back for even one day. So thank you, but no. And good day to you. Know, so <laughs> that was the end of the so call. there's no joy in that sentence? No. I mean, it was just, I mean, I, I, it was sort of equal parts like... It was equal parts like relief tinged with like bitterness, I think. Oh, there may be. Sort of like, I have moved beyond that. And it was like I was kind of, the, it was like it's I was. Denial. A, it's denial. But it's like I was the dealer on the corner. <laughs> and like opening up my jacket and one side is fake Rolexes and Dark Knight DVDs. And the other side is just small glittering vials of happiness saying, look, I, uh, look, I wouldn't be offering it to you because I know you're clean. Um, but, um. Look, I gotta move this product before Christmas because I got a new batch coming in, and Hector he doesn't like me to hold anything over. Uh, and this is the this is the good stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be. Look, I know we go back, and it would just be like a one-time thing. I gotta move this to make way for for the next shipment. I uh, and, but, did you get a chance to go that far in your explanation and and uh, groping or I mean uh, groveling? <laughs> It's going to be a great day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, with the news, let us now welcome Heidi Tom. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello, Heidi Tauber. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me here, Rick and Sarah. One thing we should start with is a little bit of serious stuff. So how low can they go? Think you're going to buy something with an interest rate? Well, President-elect Barack Obama says interest rates are getting close to being as low as they can go. But it sounds so vague, as he says also he's refusing to second-guess the Federal Reserve and its expected announcement later today to lower key interest rates again. The president-elect also said that we are, in quotes, running out of the traditional ammunition to right the economy. He stated his economic team is working on a plan to create more than 2 million jobs. Okay, so speaking of jobs, if you don't have one or if you do and you have a ton of money, here's what you can spend it on. The old Jaws boat, a boat scheduled to be put up for sale online next or February, not next month, in February. It's not just any vessel, of course. It is the Cricket 2. It's from Jaws. It once was manned by... The Cricket by, 2? The Cricket 2. I never, did you ever know that? I didn't know that that All right, was well, there's like, there's like nine different things that have already happened in the last 45 seconds. Uh, that I, <laughs> I no, get why I, you didn't interrupt the flow. I was like, that's 40 seconds of news. No, I just... Uh, I, there's so much that I want to talk about. So let's... Um, all right, well, let's duck back to Barack Obama for a okay. second, this business of the president-elect. So I don't really understand how most things work. Like, I don't even really understand how a toaster operates, much less the presidency <laughs> or the Federal Reserve. But I... So... But this business of him sort of getting in front of the microphone to go, we're running out of the traditional ammunition to whatever. I mean, we still have an actual president. I mean, sort of a, I mean, a bad one, but I mean, we have a president at the moment. Well, he, Barack Obama himself said there's only one president at a time. Remember that? I mean, is this like a, is this a thing that normally happens where the president-elect is sort of jostling 
You know, like the other guy, like out of the, like it's sort of Daffy Duck going out on the stage and shoving Bugs Bunny out of the spotlight. <laughs> like, like way before, like we got more than a month before he's going to be the president, yes, right? Yes, yes, January 20th. So by the Constitution, by the way. Does that typically happen? I, yeah, well, let me, um, hmm, since the last one was George moving in on George. Right. It's hard to remember that one. So, and eight years ago, George moving in on Bill, who walked out in shame. Yeah. So. I don't know about the shove shove part. I don't know. It just, I mean, it doesn't really matter I think to me one way or the other. For sure. I just, maybe George W. Bush is just so. It, it, I don't know. He, he might just be polishing his nine iron as we speak and or just like. Or to duck. Yeah, or just like. <laughs> you, you know, just ready to hand it over like whenever you want, man. The keys are in it. I'm just, uh, I'm really just like a morning Sam, morning Ralph kind of a thing for the old Warner Brothers. Yes. Where it's like five minutes to five and he's kind of going, look, I'm. Really, I'm just going to just be here filing my nails Taking and pardoning out. people at random. If you want to take over, I uh, I got no problem with it. I got brushed to clear in Crawford or whatever. So. <laughs> well, he didn't let Mr. Obama go in early. He, he said, no, thank you. No, you know, I appreciate what you want to do. Move into the White House a little early. Set up shop. Did Obama, did they actually want to move into the White House ahead of schedule? Well, yeah, they they go in, you know, acquaint. Here's a question somebody should answer. This is somebody, uh, some aspiring uh, journalist should get out there and they should create a sidebar article based on this phrase. This thing you hear all the way through uh, primary season and up until the actual election where one person who is behind, you know, he will inevitably try to stave off uh, the perception of defeat by saying, my opponent is already measuring curtains for the Oval Office. I want to know, A, are there curtains in the Oval Office? And B, do they in fact change with every administration? Is that a phrase that has just sort of been, like, just pulled out of the thin air? Are there in fact curtain measurings that take place when there is a transition of power? Well, there are. there is China checking. Remember Nancy Reagan? Is that the case? The China thing? Well, no. I think it's I think it's up to whomever is in power. All right. it is the is the man? Fantastic. Woman or second in charge? Whomever. All right. Uh, so we will now then move forward to what I can use that money for, which is buying the Jaws boat. Yes, Cricket Two, and we're not talking about a phone company or a cell phone. Understand. What do you mean the Cricket Two? Because the boat That's in Jaws they... was the Orca. Okay, the New York. Maybe that Coast... was its stage name. Maybe. So what is, this is the what is the name of the the actual boat? Is the Cricket Two? The New York Post reports the Cricket Two, which once was manned by legendary shark hunter Frank Manda. So we're talking about the real shark hunter thing. All right then. Okay. The 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 character, um, what's his name? The job. Quint. Quint. Yes. That was his name. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Thank you. That's where he thinks. Pick up on my brain. Um, you know, here's we'll be. <laughs> I don't know if you can. No, that's that. not that's not kink style <gasps> language. That. Well, hey. Oh, <laughs> see the power hey. of the Rick Emerson studio to strip <laughs> away your layers of decorum. <laughs> really, you've been on the air like nine minutes and you just described flatus and its expulsion from the body. Oh, no, and I like it, difficult. Heidi Tauber. Right. <laughs> okay, Frank Mandis. That his boat is being put up for auction by his estate. He's believed to inspire the character of Captain Quint in author Peter Benchley's novel Jaws and film director Steven Spielberg's movie of the same name, bidding to start, get this, so those of us unemployed may be able to afford it if you can pull out your 401k if it's whatever's left. It's a 201k. Uh, Never mind. Go ahead. 25 grand. Yeah, there's a hole in the wall behind my head. No, but see, that's but that's but that's fine. I mean, like I would, if if I was a guy with twenty five thousand dollars in disposable income, I would absolutely buy that. I know that you wouldn't hurt me. I absolutely would. I I would have no look. You're talking to a guy with jaws and sharks. Oh no, like any man, I'm getting it. Like all uh, suburban, uh, like all men, you know, who grow up in the suburbs between the ages of nineteen seventy and nineteen eighty. I mean, I have uh, 
something more than a fixation, slightly less than a fetish about Steven Spielberg and about certain Spielberg movies in particular, uh, for example, Jaws. And realize you are, in fact, talking to a guy right now who has, at home, sealed in a piece of plastic, bubblegum chewed by Ozzy Osbourne when he was here in the studio. <laughs> Which he was you actually, probably make a few you know, Peter's looking all askant at me as though you wouldn't take home a lock of Pete Townsend's hair if it were offered to you. Like if you were in a dressing McCartney, room and he'd take McCartney. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like Paul McCartney. If Paul McCartney was, uh, you know, had been using some sort of a swizzle stick and had tossed it into the trash, I know that you'd be after that the minute he walked out of the room. So I'm just saying, who am I to be any different? So Ozzy was down uh, the hall last year and he was uh, here to talk to KUFO and he was cutting some liners and some whatever. And... Ozzy gets done, finishes the interview, and he leaves. And our PA at the time, a guy named Scotty, knows what a big Ozzy fan I am. And so he comes in, and he's, like, holding it, it, it sort of in the plastic bag from the trash. And he comes in, and he says, as though he is presenting me with the Ark of the Covenant, he says, Rick, Ozzy spit this gum into the trash, and I figured you'd want to have it. And I immediately said, you are correct. And I wrapped it up, and I took it home, and I've se- I used, like, my Ronco food sealing dehydrator thing, <laughs> and I have sealed it in uh, a plastic bag, and it is now hanging uh, in my home office, just to inspire me. Kind of creepy. You know that, right? Moment of apathy. Well, you know. There's DNA there, too, so if he's ever accused of a crime, you got it. Or if I need to make my own little uh, private Aussie someday. Well, <laughs> you pulled it in a little vial of I'm just saying. Of, All right. Of goo. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, with the news, Heidi Tauber. The other thing that is baffling me is how much headlines this is gathering is the Kaylee Anthony case. A Florida judge today, considering several defense motions at an emergency hearing today in that case, the Orlando Sentinel now reporting that the Orange County Circuit Court judge will be hearing motions, okay, filed by, I was going to say Joan Baez, but this is Jose Baez. Seems unlikely. (laughs) Yes. Attorney for the missing toddler's mother. You remember there's been, the bones are found, the bones weren't found, the bones were, the the P.I. lied. All I remember was, it was just like the worst story I'd ever read. And there was a whole thing about like, and the one with the bag. Yeah, it was like, I picked up a bag and there was a skull. And, you you know, instead of reading, reading it while drinking my coffee and thinking, I could have waited till about two o'clock to read that. Yeah, it's one of those little white, little beautiful little white babies missing when there are hundreds around the country. Sad as this story is. But, you know, grabbing the headlines. Well, I've, I've actually, I've often thought uh, that really the way we could make certain communities in America safer is just to make sure that there was a small, uh, blonde, white girl put in every household in all of the, uh, you know, in all of the inner cities and poor communities. No, because, really, because you want to guarantee that the police will be on the case, I mean, like green on grass. I'm telling you, because you and I both know that there are scores of crimes that go, you know, unsolved and probably unpursued. Into, yes. You know, but as soon as you know, as soon as some college girl decides to get all liquored up in Aruba and then uh, ends up in a field somewhere, it's, it's like you know, you got to call out Interpol for it. So, you know, they used to think, you know, we're gonna have a chicken in every pot. I would just say that we need to have a blonde girl in every house, and then we will all sleep soundly at night, Heidi. Mm. Well, you've caught me. You've caught me unawares on that one. And also, the other big news of the day, the um, the Blagojevich, yes. of course, the Illinois governor's scandal. Special Illinois House Committee now beginning hearings into the possible impeachment of the governor of Illinois, who seems to be steadfast in keeping his seat. The governor arrested last week, charged with bribery and conspiracy to commit fraud. The Speaker of the Illinois House told legislators they can expect to work through the holidays, but he won't say how long it could take to vote on impeachment. I like the idea that now he's just completely changed his mind and he's dug in his heels both literally and figuratively and just won't go. Uh, I mean, is Sounds it... like the Craig, Larry Craig thing in oh, Idaho. Well, here's the thing, and I was actually just talking about Larry Craig yesterday. The thing about Larry Craig, 
And I mean, I'm glad he stayed. I mean, just for my own entertainment value, <laughs> yeah. if nothing else. I mean, it's Larry Craig, I think, on some deeper level realized. Let's put it this way. Larry Craig may be in uh, denial about certain aspects of his own personality, but uh, I will say that the uh, the self-loathing politician was at least aware of one fact, which is that given about nine minutes, the American attention span will go elsewhere, and then you'd be free to go about your business fleecing the American public. And so... You know, it was just because if you remember when there was just like a just this endless drumbeat for him to resign, like you are irrevocably damaging the Republican Party with its pristine image, <laughs> and and he was just like, you know, I am not gay or resigning or gay <laughs> or, or gay. Stop it! And everybody thought it was a big mistake, but you know what? I would imagine right now you go out in the street, the average uh, tool user doesn't even know who he is at this point. We've all forgotten all about him. Yeah. Same thing with this guy, who does seem to. He has, here's the thing about Rod Blagojevich. He has this kind of Buttafuoco vibe about him. You know what I mean? You look at him and you just kind of go schmuck, bristle, or or or, or schnook, maybe, or a word a word that ends in a ck like that. He's got a certain. It's like he's got kind of that beefy sort of like longshoreman thing, and then a very bad poofy comb forward. Like I'm not saying the hair is fake as such. I'm just saying that is not the orientation that the hair was originally in. It's been it's been moved around somewhat by, uh, I would say, many, 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 many brushes and stylists. Working. Can I teach you something? Yeah. Yeah. Is it on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, there was a, a fascinating story in the New York Times yesterday that um, that talked about the significance that he, uh, to which he attaches to his hairbrush. There's yeah. a very particular hairbrush that he must have at all times, and his staff, he, co- he, he wants them to refer to it as the football, as though it were the nuclear football. <laughs> that Alpha, it must Bravo, be Fox within Trump. an arm's reach of him at all times. And if one of his staffers makes the mistake of not um, keeping the football within an arm's reach, they are punished a, severely. Spend a night in the box. Yeah. Yeah, that is fantastic. See, and I like to think that at some point I will actually have uh, the power and wealth to be able to make just all kinds of unreasonable demands on people. You know, like a... Like a every day at 4.02, you must hop up and down on your left foot while <laughs> quacking like a duck for 30 seconds, and there will be spot checks. <laughs> and if you fail to do this, your entire family will be sent into exile someplace bad. So It's like that thing in the later seasons of Roseanne where you weren't allowed to look her in the eye, and you didn't have a name. She just identified everybody by number, uh, which is like sort of in the Tom Arnold, Rosie sort of like the sort of purging era of that show. Uh, and I guess Rose, uh, the, the Roseanne, who was, you know, a very gifted, funny person who was sort of allowed to be crazy, I guess she would just be walking around the stage and she'd be like, you, five, uh, I need rewrite on page 72. Get on it right now. And it was like, uh, okay, who are you? A five. So, in any event. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, hello, sir or madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How might I amuse you today? Hey, Rick. Nope. I just wanted to uh, tell you that Dennis... Pitsenbogger, one of these weekend greasies, as you say, yes, uh, paid you a huge compliment this weekend, said you're the constant video professional. Well, thank you. Was this a compliment said while wearing a pair of headphones that belonged to somebody who uh, was named Sarah? Uh, I mean, I'm just possibly, asking. Possibly. I don't know if that yeah, okay. uses your studio or not. Uh, well, oh, he does. And by the way, uh, when, ah, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to recuse myself uh, from the rest of that conversation. All Best right. show ever. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's 503-733-2970, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, laid-off Portland media professional Heidi Tauber. Take a look at my enormous There we go. Sorry. I didn't realize we were starting that cold. Here is your penis watch for Tuesday. Take a look at my enormous penis. Ain't I ever 
everything is going my way. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Heidi Tauber with your penis watch for Tuesday. Yeah, I thought it was penis match, remember? <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a game we play later on in the satellite portion of today's show. This is just too fun. Uh, this particular story, it says that a $2 million investment to do a downtown improvement project. Downtown improvement project, I'm not sure where. Is that code for something? Uh, well, let's keep going. Oh, I see. Um, has yielded an unintentionally distracting image, some residents say, and I'm, I'm still wondering where this downtown is. Which downtown? Hey, is this one of those stories that's in like two-point type? Winters, yeah, can you tell? It seems to be designed uh, to uh, smallest font. Uh, okay. sort of flummox and frustrate the yes, reader. It's winter, yeah, okay, it's in winters, wherever this winter's particular town is. And I think it doesn't matter because it could be anywhere. Really, you know, penises are a universal uh, constant. And if, if it looks like one, if it quacks like one, it is. I would say if it quacks like one, you probably need uh, to see a doctor. Uh, really, sooner rather than later, followed by uh, by Ripley's uh, Foundation. <laughs> so, um, some residents in this downtown village of Winters say that some benches and new brick sidewalks, but that's not what people seem to be thinking, is at the corner of this particular street. Many residents can't agree on what the newly erected three-foot-tall pedestrian barriers look like. So, uh, of course, they think that it looks like it's the male member. It's a phallic symbol. Yes. Yes. In fact, they had there's a picture of it here, and it. it Get, All right, this this story is useless without a picture. Can I see the okay, here, here. Uh, the alleged uh, phallic symbol here. in question? See it to the right. There you go. That's a penis. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's, it's it's rather round. That's not. <laughs> well, maybe there's maybe there's been sort of a some sort of a backing up problem. Uh, yeah, that's not even a phallic symbol so much as it is just shaped like a penis. So there you go. You know, and now that I think about it, there's really an inordinate number of things. Uh, I mean, and not just church steeples, which are really the obvious. But I'm thinking about, like... Uh, Who would be making this and not be thinking penis? Like, gateposts and so forth. One who's not seen it. Really do seem to have that shape to them. So I wonder if that's, like, one of those... Uh, it's like that clam plate orgy book that came out of the 70s where everything was about subliminal advertising. <laughs> all right. Or maybe they've all... Maybe it's a town built by that guy that did the Little Mermaid poster. All right. Uh-huh. No? All right. Yes, the, the disgruntled Disney guy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on to another one. So, in other words, these gateposts, which are supposed to be... Posts in its downtown town. Yes. There's a big controversy, and they want them out or redesigned. In Delaware, there's something similar going on. In Delaware, a Delaware man there has been arrested after being accused of arranging a bizarre plot that involved castrating his ex-son-in-law. Did I really have to read that? Uh, One can't keep the news from the people. Wilbur Eichmann is his name, has been charged oh. with one count of criminal solicitation after he paid a man cash to bear up, or beat up, that is, his ex-son-in-law. You know, no story involving a guy named Eichmann ever ends well. Wilbur, too. Wilbur Eichmann. <laughs> is that great? Uh, this okay. is my friend, uh, Shecky Hitler. <laughs> Wilbur Eichmann. You know, changing your name is like $35. I mean, even Jeff Galuli, who was not named after a Nazi war criminal, like to the best of my knowledge, had the sense to go down to the courthouse and say, look, can you, uh, I'm going to get this taken care of. All right, so yeah. what was Wilbur Eichmann up to? <laughs> well, he wanted to have... And was he just following orders when he did it? <laughs> he, well, well, apparently he had someone else follow his orders. Okay. That's what he wanted to have done. He, um, he wanted to have his son-in-law beat up and castrated. Yeah, police said that Eichmann paid a 34-year-old man $1,200. 
Is that all it takes these yep. days? Is that how hard up the economy really has <laughs> become? $25,000. Well, normally, I, uh, normally it's 25 uh, large for this and uh, and really uh, three nights uh, with, uh, with, with, uh, with your wife. But uh, right now, 1200 <laughs> And a drink ticket, if you've got it. Yeah, I love the drink ticket thing. You know, would you do it for a drink ticket? Uh, probably Eichmann just might. So he uh, apparently offered or suggested that this person he was going to pay to castrate his son-in-law a high-power rifle. And he said that if you can castrate him, there will be a bonus. <laughs> So that's sort a of a bonus. It's not just twelve hundred bucks, but another drink ticket. I and I like the idea, by the way, that the that the castrating and the beating up, as though one wouldn't really supersede the other, like in terms of you know, like well, he castrated me, and I, but then he blackened one of my eyes really severely. At that point, I knew that I was having a bad day. <laughs> Get this: the bonus is almost three times what the beating up part is. If you castrate him, he gets another three grand. Well, one must offer workers incentives, Heidi, or they're not going to stick around. You know, I mean, even in this economy, people demand to be compensated fairly for a job well done. And you talked about bringing the you, you've got the you've got Ozzy's gum. Yes. Eichmann wanted this, his son-in-law's parts. <laughs> So, that was a bonus, you mean, too. Do you mean an earlobe? Well, you Ankle. know, it was in the, No. Uvula. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, closer. <laughs> yes, Peter. It is closer. No. You know, well, I guess I'll have to puzzle the, the rest of that out of my head. things he wanted the guy to cut off. Ah. Oh, I believe I have cracked your code. <laughs> All right. It's a strange world. Ladies and gentlemen, is your double penis watch Take for Tuesday. I'm Rick Emerson, radio program. My troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. You are listening to AM 970, the talker on the CBS radio network, the Tiffany Network, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be back after this. Take a break. Uh, Heidi Tomper returns around the corner. More news as a series of laid off Portland media icons. Fill in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Coming up later on, Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Top five and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go nowhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. The top five comeback albums of all time. It's counted down by uh, Chris Paddock and CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, joining us from the Hill. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Man Called Flintstone on DVD. Yes, it's the Flintstones' first full-length movie, originally released theatrically in 1966. The unmistakable Fred Flintstone is mistaken for a famous international spy famed secret agent, Rock Slag. Has been injured on assignment, now Fred must step in with the help of his family and his neighbors, the Rubbles. That is uh, a man called Flintstone on DVD to Don't one you random. the rock and roll On our, uh, well, they can't all be Guy Ritchie films, so. <laughs> uh, in just a moment, we'll resume the news with laid off Portland media professional Heidi Tauber, who I believe, on a scale of 1 to 10, is awkward to the level of 5.5. You should see the stories that we didn't give you. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello, Rick. Hey. She 
truly a 97 Brunello in the land of two buck chuck. Oh, yeah. that's what Steve Dean said. What a dear thing to remember. It's today. almost like somebody was perusing the Oregon Live archives before they made this call. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been, uh, I've been a fan of her since she was busted out at Kink. Wow. Yeah. That was so, 20 years ago. That, was that your first firing? That was my first. Everybody remembers their first firing. The, the, reason, the reason I remember so well, I was there the day she chucked the tape down the hallway. <laughs> Did you break something? Why don't I recognize? Uh, uh, I was the guy that kept them from manhandling you out the door. Really? Yep. You know, realize okay, there was Beardo and there was Bruce McCarney. Beardo. Beardo. I love Beardo. Bruce McCarney and... Jeff Clark, they sent most people home, and they. <laughs> uh, I was there. Were you a known? Wait, hold on, sir. All right, hold on for a second. Oh. Now, first of all, let's just back up for a second. Okay. So this is when? When were you first fired? Uh, from Kink. Okay, so In this would have been 1991. 1991. Yeah. Um, all right, and so now, did you? I mean, was this like a all quiet in the Western Front thing where you didn't hear the bullet? I mean, did you have any oh, sense it was coming? Jeez, oh, I was so blindsided. Was this the whole like that, that was your last show? Please clean out your oh, locker no. now. Yeah, okay, let's get, come in and we'll chat. Really? Uh, when you oh, get off the air, was right management waiting for you in the hallway? Yeah. That's always. Came a good over, sign. come in, we'll chat, and then you know the GM's still there at six, yeah. so you know so you kind of sort of know something's up. Yeah, you were you were about thirty feet down the hall. I was there waiting for a friend who had also been let out, <clears throat> and uh, I didn't hear what was said, but I did remember your wind-up and your follow-through, <laughs> and then there were people going to grab you, and, and I this is a hurling of a this is a hurling of an, of an of a cart. A cart is like a uh, for you kids at home. A cart, yeah, a cart's like an eight-track single, uh, basically. That uh, weigh about eight pounds. Yeah, that we used to uh, record things on in the golden days of this uh, medium. Gal's right. got a heck of an arm. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, one more thing. Yeah. The radio business is a cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free. Good men die like dogs, and there's also a negative side. I wonder if he wrote wow. that. Wow. Okay. Thanks so much. I hope he wrote it. No, it's that would be pretty magical. That's a, that's a, it's a quote often. It's a quote attributed to Hunter, Hunter Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Um, you know, as everything. It, it, here's the thing. In the future, like within 15 years, every single thing on the Internet or used in somebody's SIG file on a message board with a little, like, ASCII rose next to it will be attributed to either Hunter Thompson or George Carlin. You know, whether or not Why they not? actually wrote it, you know? Hey, here's a pithy thing I found online. Let me label it George Carlin and forward it to all of my relatives. Unless your sisters are dead. That's pretty badass. So you, like, threw a cart down the hall? Uh, 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 well, actually, okay, go ahead. I don't think, oh, actually, that's George Ames Carlin. I remember, by the way, when Peter Carlin was, was going to sit quietly in the studio, and I'm not complaining, by <laughs> no, the way. I'm, that's, I'm, I, no, 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 no. Every so I'm, not com I'm not complaining. Not I'm here. just saying, uh, now, can I say why you're here? And who he is? Just don't mention my probation officer. All right, so Peter Carlin is uh, is working on a an article about uh, the radio business, and I guess the the Rick Emerson show will feature in that as some sort of a microcosm or a thing or whatever. You well, guess. I, well, who knows? Yeah, well, right. Knows? No, I won't we, mention you at all. That's why I'm here. I'm just saying, you know, you, pe you people are unpredictable. <laughs> I, I love, uh, you know what I love about you the you most people. is your humility. I'm just uh, I'm just not trying to uh, the, you know to count my uh, inches of column type before they're printed. I'm just happy to see Peter Carlin's face because he's always on the phone. That's right, Can and you? always promise. And to come by and never actually appearing. And so, here he is. So, I want to hear more about Heidi. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. Everyone, stop talking right now because we're just gonna we're gonna clear the air on this right now. So Peter Carlin is typically on. Uh, you just returned from sabbatical, and you typically join us on the phone Monday afternoons to talk about television and pop culture and the media and what have you. And yesterday, 
you actually weren't on the phone because I told Richie, I said, look, uh, you know, I know Monday is typically Peter's day, but I, he's writing this piece, and I don't want it to look like a conflict of interest. So really, in, in deference to his professionalism, maybe we should just skip uh, this week's appearance because I don't want it to look like like you're all like in the tank for the show or whatever. So so then you told me you were like, I'm going to come into the studio on Tuesday. I'm going to watch Heidi doing the news and see the whole the vibe and talk to people and whatever. And I said, fine. And then I was sort of assuming that you would lurk in the background so as not to taint mm. your pristine, uh, you know, your pristine professionalism and your journalistic integrity and so forth. And I am fine with you weighing in on the program. I'm just saying I was certainly willing to let you sit and, uh, you know, and just observe uh, quietly right. so you could escape unscathed. Well, I don't know. You know, it's, now that you brought it up, I hadn't really given it much thought. I mean, it's kind of a known, I guess I should probably mention it in the story somewhere, but... Uh, at least parenthetically, that I appear on the show every so often. But it's like, but I mean, it's not like I'm blowing the lid off of anything. I mean, it's this thing that you're doing, and and it's mostly about Heidi and and the Heidis of the world who have been, you know, I mean, it's about the news industry, the, you know, the media industry here in town, and why so many of these, you know, talented, brilliant people who've been on the air and been sort of part of the 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 dialogue here in this town for so long are suddenly like out of work because you know i mean how is it how does that happen what does it mean that's what the story is about so it's not necessarily a uh, rick emerson good or bad <laughs> <laughs> the answer is 12 right <laughs> you were like doing a little mclaughlin there uh, so, uh all right well so in any event so peter carlin is here so if you hear that voice weighing in throughout the program as i'm going to keep my no, mouth no 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 see no don't be that way you passive I'm, I'm, bastard no i'm not i'm just <laughs> I Seriously. want Heidi to talk. I feel like this is her. Oh, see, now no, that I invite I you to talk, be... you don't want to do it. Well, now that I've told you, you could just talk whenever you want, and I'm fine with it. Now, like, no, 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 I'm going to be quiet for the rest of the program. Well, I don't want to be like this dude that's just like dominant. Like, can I let's talk about me a little more? Uh -huh. So you know, let's I'm go. not. I'd love to talk, but I just, I'm just, I, I was way more interested in hearing about her throwing the tape down the hall, and I wanted to get a little more on that. Actually, as am I, honestly. That's oh, really? I, like, who are you throwing it at? I just, it just, it just was a one big old, you know, fierce, angry rage throw. All right, so let's, so let's back up for a second. So this is 20 years ago. You're working at Kink. Uh, yeah. Were you, a, were you a Which DJ? Affiliate, yes. By the way. Of course, one of our fine. It wasn't. Yeah. Thing. It didn't belong to King then. It was. It had just come out of King, the the Bullet Sisters' hands. All right. So this is okay, but this is, uh, so this is some time ago. This is in 1991. Yeah, now, were you, were you news? Were you a DJ? Was, were you? I was afternoon drive with Jeff Clark, another famous, longtime legend right. in this community. And you were doing, but you were. Playing music, you were doing the news. No, I was doing the news. Doing the Afternoon news. drive news. All right. And how long had you had the gig? Three years. All right. A little over three years. And it was in the middle of the Gulf War. And the week, if you, do you really want to hear this whole Absolutely. Week? Totally. Uh, so, uh, another famous local radio personality who was also laid off, a uh, woman, shall I name it? Yes. Rebecca Webb. Oh. Look at Peter. It's like I can from here. I can actually hear your thyroid pumping out. Uh, you know, I can hear your adrenal gland oh, kicking into overdrive. overdrive. Yeah, all right, in real time. All right, so <laughs> so you and Rebecca Webb. That no, was she like was a, doing mornings with Les. Okay, Les and Rebecca, Lesson. right? The, the famous right. Les and Rebecca gig in the mornings there, and Jeff Clark and I doing afternoon. So it, the to be yanked off. Uh, it was uh, another person was news director, and. Oh, jeez. You made me. I'm going into my memory vault, and it's really, really dark. That's okay. As long as we get to the part where you're breaking something. <laughs> so it was the middle of Gulf War. They thought that maybe it was going to end that weekend. Right. And they had a list of who was going to be on call for the weekend. Right. My right. name was not on the list. I had said, well, if I, you know, I'd, be, I'd love to, I might go skiing. I mean, do you want me to work this weekend? Let me know if uh, I need to be around. Yeah, do I need to be around? Because you're a professional. I'd rather be skiing. <laughs> 
So as she said, oh, no, 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 go ahead, go scan. Still didn't get it. And then after the, after the last cast, 6 o'clock, she does the, does the come in and chat. Right. Come chat with me thing. Still didn't get it. Hand of cards, about three or four stack in my hand. Go in. She closes the door. I have good news and bad news. Uh, and you know when they say good news and bad news... That really is that, bad news. that's just a lie, really. There really there is no good news. I still didn't get it. Wow. The good news was Heidi, you don't have to work this weekend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the bad news is we're letting you go. Um if anyone should ask, tell them you're fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, it, it was it still didn't sink in. Still didn't sink in. Didn't 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 when it did. That's when the boil Was this came. your first radio job? No, no, no. Okay, so you hadn't been... radio job was in 78. Okay, but you, so you hadn't been fired, but you'd worked in radio for some time. I mean, you must radio have... Radio and television, and I hadn't, I hadn't been fired yet. You, you must have sort of known the nature of the beast, though. Like, when the boss is there going like, um, look... I didn't. I, I'm telling you. There's no way well, to say this Well, she's never seen it before. She probably wouldn't easily. know. Yeah. yeah, and I was in very small and mid-markets. Were you just in denial? I, I well, for I still am, honey. I, I mean, because <laughs> I'm sort of picturing you like Steve Martin in the jerk, going, "I never thought it would happen to me." And I'll take this. Yeah. And this chair. And these cards. <laughs> and this degaussing machine. And my dog. And this auto winder. <laughs> and and uh, this back timing stopwatch. And that's all I need. And this coffee cup. I was just talking about the jerk a little, a couple of days. And ago this Atari reel-to-reel machine. Uh, what I wanted was the magnetizer thing, and, and this, I wanted to go through all of the cards and. You know, just this the splicing block. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so they, uh, this is a six o'clock on a Friday. Uh, I, was, I, I believe it was a Friday. Friday. Usually, the others have been midweek. <laughs> and uh, and so they just t- finally, how do they? I mean, did they finally just say, like, look, that's it, you're done? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I did, I, you know, inconsistent. I, they, it was very. It's one of those vague. Don't really know why. Right. Um, it, it's just sort it's of an all-encompassing blur of no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, here, give us your card key. Babe. And so was now was security there? There was no security. I don't think they expected this. Um, it, the one of the they expected my reaction. Right. Although right. I think they thought I was a somewhat volatile, emotional, you know, <laughs> gal. And they um, hovered. Right. As I right. It, since I did not see it coming, I'd stuff. Three is the stuff. You know, the articles you think you'll read sure. and they stack up, and and mementos of various concerts or whatevers. And it's such a hover that you don't. Think of what you should take. Right. An air check would right. be good. <laughs> you know, those kind of things that, that to just blur. And then I went into the hysteria cry thing. Right. Way hysteria cry thing. So, back to the throwing. This just in, local At- newscaster melts down during firing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fails to retain composure. <laughs> was, Management I, horrified. Security summoned. This, well, see, no security summoned, but the GM was there, who has since lost two jobs, too, I'll, I'll say. And uh, the news director and the GM. And they just sat with me. And I'm by then I'm just I am just balling. Right, it's hysterious right, right. psychoness after the cart throw thing, right. which I threw into a just happened to be glass framed kink poster. That's fantastic. Broke the glass. Wait a minute. Let me cause some damage. Hold on a second. Too. No, no, just okay. no, just did the bing shatter thing. That is. But and it was it it was intentional to be that, right, but how right, right. you know symbolic. So into the into the bawling hysteria stage, they wanted me to go down the hall and get my check. Right. Are you kidding me? I was. I, I don't. I said you fired me. You go get my check. Good for you. Yeah. So <laughs> they they finally go get the me. check. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was All that. Right, I've, le- I've since learned to be a little more. Now that was how many firings ago? How that was 
That would have been the first of five. The first of five. And so the most... Uh, Not all firing, some, some, the, some the, you know, the inevitable layoff. Uh, so, by the way, uh, you are listening to the voice of Heidi Tauber, who is uh, a laid-off Portland media professional, filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley on the Rick Emerson radio program on KCMD Portland, the network of Edward R. Murrow. Uh, all right, so let us then fast-forward to your most recent firing, uh, which was uh, from a radio station called... Wait, I've got it here somewhere. Do you want me to do it or do you want to do it? Wait, hold on. K-P-J something. K-P-O-J. Yeah. Um, And you talked about, you and Todd talked about him quite a bit yesterday. I guess they have some sort of morning show over there somehow. Oh, Rick No, we had had Todd Colses here yesterday who was at one point the voice of the Tom Hartman show. Oh, yeah, he did Tom's. Yeah, he was our our imaging. Yeah, until one day his his key didn't work anymore. Uh, Uh, Yeah. So you Tell were that. you were the morning I hate the, I hate the phrase sidekick but you were the news person the sort of co-host uh, yeah. with Tom yeah, yeah. and Tom. you were there to be the sort of vibrant half uh, of that radio <laughs> couple I think thank you yes and, and and also working and then Carl Wilson came in a little way later too so it would, became a three three kick thing right and of course you know Tom is such a brainiac I just, I always felt mired in in information I should know right. and didn't have the gray matter to possess <laughs> things that he, he can Listening re- retain. To, here's the I thing can. about it. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, he's a smart guy and I'm sure he's very nice if you know him socially. He is very. He's a wonderful, nice person. It's, it's a little bit like listening to the old farmer's almanac read by one of those Microsoft computer voices <laughs> that doesn't quite sound human. Oh, oh. Sorry, no, really? no, I mean, well, no. I mean, and I don't mean that in a mean way, he says with complete insincerity. I'm just... You'll, you'll listen to it, and it's like listening to this weird, it's like listening to this weird confluence of, like, it's like listening to this weird confluence of, of like, NPR, the entire unexpurgated contents of Wikipedia, and maybe a guy who's found a shortwave signal somewhere in Montana, and he's broadcasting about how the government is standing out in his crops waiting to come in and implant him with a microchip. <laughs> and, you know, and it just, it, it, which is apparently there's a market for that kind of a thing. So, you just hit so many of my buttons and you don't even know. No, no, I'm just, I'm just making the observation. Uh, so, anyway, so that being said, so you're doing the news with Tom Hartman for some time. Yes. And then... Three years there, too. The same thing. Was, did you sense it coming? Was there weirdness one, in yes. the air? Yes, I did. Yes, that one, that one finally, I finally was getting it. Was this in response to... So like they had told you to, to do things or change things or stop things? Yeah, get better. That's kind of a vague uh, way to look. We'd like you to, uh, could you suck less? We would appreciate <laughs> that's the... Not, that's, that, that, and that's not, that, almost, not that you were, but I mean, that's, but that's how they do it, right? And this is, and a lot of times, and by the way, the reason, if anybody wants to know why we're having this discussion, A, it's because it's fascinating to me, and I think a lot of people who listen to the radio... Don't think it's too inside baseball? I, you know, but here, here's why I don't. Uh, two things. One... And again, you know, everybody's got their own brand of pain right now. And as Max Cady said in Cape Fear, every man has a circle of hell around his head. So everybody's kind of going through their own weirdness. But you know what? Everybody has either been laid off recently or knows somebody who has. And everybody. It's everybody. Yeah. And, and the people who listen to this show know how gracefully Tim Riley exited and how CBS gave him an entire day to say goodbye. And they really, it was the best that anything like that could be handled or has ever been been handled in my experience. And I'm not just saying that because I work here. I'm saying because it's the truth. And you working in radio, you know it's the truth. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a remarkable difference. <laughs> and, you know, as much as we like to think that every single person who listens to us listens to us every single moment of every day and that nothing else ever comes out of their radio, you know, obviously there was people who knew who you were and listened to you. And grew attached to you the way that people very much can feel bonded to, to, to a voice or to a show on the radio. And then one day you're just gone. 
which on the one hand is disrespectful and painful for the audience, and it's disrespectful and painful to you who has a bond with the audience, and then one day you're just told that you're not going to be able to see your kids anymore, basically. Is what that is. <laughs> yeah. And it just, you know, and it and just. And they do. They literally scrub you. And like, you're, you're, like you, like you never existed. Oh no, you face yeah. off the website, name off the archive. Oh yeah. Somebody told Change me. Change the name of the show. I don't know what did it. it what was the name of the show before? It, it was uh, Tom Hartman in the morning. Carl, Carl, Tom and Carl and Heidi. Right. So then they had all the liners. What did they change it to? Carl and Friends. Carl and Friends. Really? The best part about that and Friends is it allows them... That's like a Sesame Street title or something. It's like an and the rest in the first season of Gilligan's Island. Yes, without without Marianne. The best part of calling it Carl and Friends, by the way, is it allows them to make myriad changes in the future. They don't have to do anything with the logo. No, no, no. This logo will keep us through many firings. Totally. (laughs) You don't have to update any any of the imaging for future layoffs. It was weird. The the picture also is very weird. You know how you go in and if you do Photoshop, you just cut out... Please tell me there was just a plant put in front of your face. (laughs) It's just empty. It, you know, you sort of see the outline is obviously not centered correctly, and there's just a, That's it's fantastic. a, it's a ghost. Please tell me that was like on the first day. Oh, the yeah, oh gosh. I'm picturing it like the like oh, the finale yeah, of the uh, the day up. I'm picturing it like the finale of the Grudge, where it's just your picture like cut out of all of the portraits, yeah. like just your face <laughs> with a pair of scissors. Who was there? No see one. The outline still. Cut, yeah. You know? <laughs> um. So. Uh, all right, so you, and this is a thing that sometimes happens, and again, this is why we're sort of spending some time on this because there's when I announced, uh, you know, I was put on my blog that you were going to be on today, and I got an immediate, I got a ton of email from people oh. who were like, "Hey, I listen to her every day. Whatever happened to her? It's so great. I want to know the deal," um, because you don't really ever get to tell these stories most of the time. And they sometimes, were, in fact, they are told the the two the so-called leftovers, right. Tom and Carl, the next day, boom, and this was a Wednesday, so then there's Thursday. They got to do a and show the next birthday. day without it was you. Tom Hartman's birthday, right. as a matter of fact. <laughs> so there's that, you know, added fun. His birthday fact. present was more studio space. <laughs> Didn't have to look at Tom yeah. across the, across the desk. Um, he, they were told not to even mention my name oh, because you're and an unperson. Anyone asked if anyone asked, but it got so bad. Or so good, depending on your perspective, that they eventually. What were said they told to say, though? Nothing. I mean, it's like, but if somebody calls up and says, uh, "Love your, love your show," didn't? Uh, wasn't there somebody else there yesterday? What was their response supposed to be? Well, part of it was the mute button. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're losing your call. Yeah, uh, yeah. Next and caller. there was seven second delay, so they could see. They could hear. Somebody anyway. told me. Now I don't know if this is true, and I don't mean to be spreading uh, fibs and falsehoods. Somebody told me that. Uh, after you were uh, fired, Erased. Uh, removed from the Tom Hartman show, KPOJ, that um, the home of progressive thought Wait, was it this Tom and Hartman? sensitivity. There's cheerleaders in Tom Hartman's trunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, it, that's our lovely title. Somebody told me that after you were let go there, that, and I don't know if this is true, that they actually went through the podcasts and if callers had gotten on the air and it said, hey, whatever happened to Heidi Talk, and then they were cut off, yep. that they would actually go through to edit the yep. out of the podcast yep. so that when you listen back, True. that caller would not be heard. True. Which you really almost have to admire in a sort of Soviet kind of way. Oh, for heaven's sake, weren't we just talking about stuff? I mean, it really is It really is like uh, Oceania has always been at war with Eurasia, sort of a feel. So one almost has to... <laughs> whatever uh, happened to Babylon? One almost has to admire the perversity of that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so. well, I don't know. You, right. you have different kinds of admiring. Uh-huh. Well, in any event, well, I'm glad you finally got a chance to sort of Tell and the... thanks to you, and uh, and God bless him. Well, were they, did they catch you after your final show, though, at KPO Jamie? Like, you're done. Come yeah. On. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. This time it wasn't 6 p.m. This It was 9 a.m. Well, I guess because uh, this time uh, my QB right across the hall from the new, uh, program director's right. slash operations manager's office. Right. 
people were coming and going. There was the the door. Was That's always closed. great too when you're in there. Oh, when the you door is HR closed oh. and people are walking by with a sheaf of papers. Hey, can I get you to sign? Oh, you're busy. I'll come back later. Oh yeah. I yeah. can see you got all these firings to do. So I'll uh, catch you five-ish. Yeah. Maybe anytime you come uh, into a radio station and all the doors are closed, you know it's going to be a bad ooh, day. Ooh, yeah. ooh. And, and can I talk to you a minute? Can I talk to you a minute? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that hey, one. Rick I and I have this thing where he talks to me and whenever he's pulling me up, I was like, I can talk to you about something. It's nothing bad. I actually, no, <laughs> good, good Sarah and I have That's worked nice. together for a long time, uh, and Sarah and I now have this, this sort of agreement, this understanding. You hear about couples having an arrangement? The arrangement that Sarah and I have <laughs> is that whenever we have to go, <laughs> when we ever have to go, when we have to talk about something upstairs or whatever, I always will say, hey, can I grab you for a minute? It's nothing bad. But then, of course, there was the recent one where, like, can I grab you for a minute? It's bad. Yeah. Oh, I mean, did you mean it? That's the thing. Yeah. Then it becomes conspicuous by its absence. Yeah. So, yes. all right. Well, I'm, well, I'm glad you were able to tell the story. Uh, do we need a break here? <laughs> yeah, we probably Okay, should. let's okay. do this. We'll take a break. Uh, we are now unbelievably halfway through today's program. When we come back, more from Heidi Tauber, who is filling in for the laid off Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Still to come, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And later on, the top five comeback albums of all time with Chris Paddock. Stay there. Cheerleaders in Tom Hartman's trunk. Funny because it's true. Uh, it's 503-733-2970, ladies and gentlemen, friends, neighbors, Romans, countrymen, boys, girls, children of all ages. You are listening to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. Coming up later on today, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us from the Hill. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Uh, let's see. We uh, will have the top five comeback albums uh, of all time as counted down by our good friend Chris Paddock from Rock 101, KUFO. And uh, still to come, uh, Job Watch, Bush Watch, uh, Joy of Christmas, uh, all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, the laid-off Heidi Tauber. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Some interesting news this morning, and thank you so much, I must say again, Rick, Sarah, uh, for having me. Oh, not at all. We're really. Want to come. Uh, thank Seriously, you. Uh, here's the thing: is that we're just such an island of misfit toys here. <laughs> I feel so at home. And I mean, you know, we kind of said this, uh, you know, just the, as a, as John Lennon says in the Live in New York City album. Uh, we'll go back in the past just once. Um, we said on Tim's final day, we were talking about how Tim and Sarah and I all kind of came to work together. And we started this radio station, KOTK Next Door, a program by really just a fantastic guy named Bruce Agler, uh, you know, the best PD I ever had. And, you know, and Tim was sort of cut from a different cloth and marches to, I don't even think he marches to a drummer. It's like he marches to a zither or something. <laughs> and, you know, and Sarah and I are kind of, you know, weird in our own ways and don't quite work and play well with others. And we said that nobody really went to KOTK. You ended up at KOTK, which I really mean in kind of a, a great way because we're like the sort of, you know, it's like the Velveteen Rabbit with one eye, you know, or whatever. And, and so we all kind of ended up on the show together, but it really was the only way that it could have ended up because we'd all just been fired from all the other jobs because we couldn't do, I, it, probably still can't, at least for me, I just couldn't do radio the way I was supposed to do it or the way that the consultants, uh, and I don't mean to make it sound like I'm fighting against the man all the time. I just, I just wasn't good at it. 
And they would be, you know, like, you need to do uh, nine songs an hour. And then what you need to do is be topical, relevant, local, relatable in 14 seconds uh, while you were talking up the post. Don't forget to back sell the last record. Promote the big holiday uh, concert, which is going to be coming up. Talk about the uh, the food drive. We're going to don't forget the food drive. Also, the win it at work club, and plus that we're going to be doing uh, double rounds of battle of the sexes all next morning, uh, all next week with Larry, Terry, uh, Mary, and Gary, uh, and do all that and uh, try not to have any uh, demonstrable personality. All right, great. Thank and you so much. Plug the website. Plug no, the website. And I'm plug he- the website. Yeah, and I'm here to help. You know, my office is always open. Thank you. <laughs> Done. And I just, I couldn't do it. I just, I, I both, I sucked and blew at the same time. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so here we are. And uh, so I guess my point is when you say thanks for having you in, I mean, really, it's, we are, we are honored uh, that, that you would join us because uh, you and a lot of the other folks, you know, really are, I'm not, I don't mean to go modeling about it, a Hallmark card about it, but you got, you, I'm not kidding when I say laid off Portland media professionals. Yeah. You guys are talented and you're good at what you do and, uh, you know, are, um, Unfortunately, without a microphone at the moment, so we're you know we're we're pleased that you're here. I appreciate that very much, and I and I do, and I and and since I'm being one of those velveteen, one-eyed rabbits, I'm, yes. I'm glad to have a place to call home for a day. Ladies and gentlemen, Heidi Topper <laughs> with the news. An Australian lawyer has served legal documents on the couple via Facebook, and he says it's the first time that that's expe- and you knew it was going to come. That uh, by the way, here's your subpoena. It's on Facebook. This person, Mark McCormick, used the Internet to track down the pair after they defaulted on a large loan, and there we go again, and was uh, given permission by the Australian courts to use the social networking site to file papers against this couple. He says, we believe it's certainly the first time in Australia, and we haven't heard of it being done anywhere else internationally. That, according to the lawyer's spokesperson. The uh, lawyer also said that with his own Facebook page, he said that he made sense for the courts to use the site to contact people who could not otherwise be reached. So let me just a, say, a computer, not a phone. And before we before we go any further, let me just say this about Facebook. A, I don't know. I'd written down at some point. I think I because you refuse to use Facebook. Well, I just don't have. Like, it's kind of confusing. Oh, here we go. So this, I made a note to myself. This was at 11, four, uh, 49 a.m. Saturday, December thirteenth. Note to self: Facebook question mark discuss. Mm. Um, because I just, and, and it actually came, it, you will not believe me when I say this, Heidi, this sounds like one of those uh, the coincidences that I'm sort of fabricating, but I was trying to find you online. Because when <laughs> I we don't were, do Facebook either. Well, I'm we were, too and afraid we were, of it. And we were drawn off the list of, of people who had been laid off who we'd want to have on the show, the sort of dream list or whatever. But it's like you didn't have a MySpace or an email or a phone number, and I didn't, and, and I was going online to try to figure out how to track you down, and... We actually, it was just through through God's own grace that we discovered you through Todd Tulsa, yeah. who was here yesterday. And I was like, boy. He's like, I have her phone number in my phone. We yeah, love to get Heidi Topper. He's like, I'll call her right now. Yeah, in the middle of your show yesterday uh-huh. morning, yeah. as a matter of fact. Um, but, but I realized so many of the people that we wanted to contact with us have Facebook pages. And I just resisted for the longest time because everything I've heard about Facebook, and I don't mean to sound like it, like, you know, the Grandpa, Grandpa Walton about yeah. it. But I mean, I mean, like we have a MySpace page. I have one. Sarah has one. We have one for the show. Richie has one. We have one just for our show. Sound. We've got like nine different MySpace pages. It's not like I resist technology or whatever. But every, like the first 12 stories I heard about Facebook were like, and then it inadvertently revealed that I bought a dildo, you know, or whatever. Like it was, like it was sending out all of your purchase information to like everybody in your network, you know, like uh, Sarah just bought some handcuffs and blood remover. <laughs> it was creepy. I bought um, a pair of shoes on Zappos.com and I love that place. And oh, then, it's a great site. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I look at my little wall thing or whatever it is and it's like, Sarah just bought these in a size seven and a half from Zappos. And so oh, I had see? all that's the what color I'm and the information you... in my size. And that's what, you, that's what you want, too, Creepy. about, like, you know, when you buy a dress or something. You know, in a size 72, a dress was just purchased by, you know, whatever. And I was, forget that. And then we had all this weirdness where Richie has a Facebook account, and now you actually do, too, as well, Sarah. But then somehow 
it's like Facebook is like this sort of cyberdyne Skynet thing from Terminator where it starts to like have sentient knowledge. And Richie started adding all of Sarah's like grade school classmates to his site, but Richie was like, I didn't mean to do it. It just happened. I went home and I came back and they'd all been added. And it was all very weird. It's like people that I haven't spoken to, like, you know, who have asked me to be friends on there that I knew from middle school or something. And I'm like, our one mutual friend in common, Richie Bristol. Yeah. And I was just, I don't want any part of that. So I've kind of opted out. But it's like more and more often, everybody that I want to contact is like, contact me through Facebook. So it's like, I feel sort of leveraged into it. Uh, well, that's you know. how you felt about MySpace too. Remember, I peer yeah. pressured you into doing oh, it. Oh, I know, I know, same I resisted. Thing. Same so. thing, isn't it? The same. They're both. They're, they're the two of. Supposedly, Facebook's more for grown-ups. See, so I don't get it. Okay. It's just. Yeah. Okay. Here, let me let me say this about that, and then we'll continue to another story. I swear to God, I was just talking to my wife about it because my wife, who and I. Look, it's not like I'm the man of the house putting my foot down. I just told her, I said, you shouldn't get a MySpace page because it just sucks up all your time. Like you just find yourself doing all this crap on there that you that becomes begins to feel like necessary. But it really it isn't. Does. It does. Like, it starts to feel, I haven't updated it all day. I don't deserve to live. And I said, you don't want to get... The feeling of disattachment you get from not being able to check your MySpace. And I said, you, you should resist the it. the of the Internet in general, the nature of, of your own, just your email. It's mm-hmm. one big time suck. And I said, so you should not do that. Well, I came home one day, and there she is, like, on Facebook. She's like, I... and she looked, and she knew what I was thinking. She goes, I'm sorry. I just, I wanted to talk to this girl that I went to college with. Quit looking at me. And so she... <laughs> But I asked her at one point, I said, I said, you know, everybody does kind of have MySpace. Maybe they're moving to Facebook, but, you know, what? And she said the same thing. And this is kind of what creeps me out in a sort of like, in a sort of like, a, a, you know, like a Naomi Klein, no logo kind of way. She said the same thing. She goes, well, you know, Facebook is kind of for grownups. And everybody I ask about it says some variation of that line. So my thing is like, why do you all say that? Who told because you? George Carlin said it first. But, <laughs> but I mean, what, like, where did that come from? Like, as far as I know, Facebook has no official slogan or marketing, like, no positioning statement. Why does everybody say it's for grown-ups? That's like a little you've been programmed by somebody when you because weren't looking. I thought it was initially for students, because didn't you used to have to be a student? I think it was for college uh, yeah. students at one point. So, well, so that's grown-up? But it's Instead of pubescence? Or pre-pubescence? But it's just weird that it's everybody uses... It's though, because you can give each other, like, gifts and teddy bears and, like, uh, I don't know. Subpoenas? Yeah. Yeah. Legal subpoenas. documents? There. Look at her bringing it back. All right, bringing it back. That's what we call a callback, Heidi Tauber. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen at the uh, news desk, Heidi Tauber. And I, too, am fearful of all that whole thing. Good and for you. My husband doesn't even know my password. We'll be, so, uh, there you we'll be Luddites together. <laughs> uh, in other news this morning, Katie Holmes, whom you may know as Mrs. Cruz, turns 30 on Thursday, and husband Tom Cruise told Access Hollywood that he has something special. Is it a thetan remover? <laughs> <laughs> but like a really fancy How one. Supposed to continue no, like a that like a fancy one that says K H on the side or something. <laughs> well, considering what he gave her for the wedding and the whole big castle yeah. thing, yeah. hard to top. Uh, and here's his quote: "We're gonna celebrate." Uh, Step out of the limb, Tom Cruise. Yes, that's crazy. <laughs> We're going to celebrate. Uh, I'll be here in the morning with her. Cruise told Access on Monday night at the premiere of his new movie. Uh, Valkyrie, how do you say that? Valkyrie. Valkyrie, ooh, and I do want to see that. Cruz and Holmes will be celebrating her birthday early Thursday morning, however, because he's uh, 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 out at the Los Angeles premiere of Valkyrie. And so it sounds like he's going to have to do something via Facebook. I guess. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm just back on Cruz. Cruz and Holmes sound like some sort of a gay porn film set in the suburbs. <laughs> well, wasn't there Holmes? That was John Holmes. John Holmes, there you go. Or so you've heard. Uh, Yeah, uh, uh, according to my preferred friends. Uh Uh-huh. 
Also in the news this morning, a survey shows that 65% of American adults need daily Internet access. How's that for a segue? Intel Publishing uh, is published the findings of a recent survey conducted on more than 2,100 Americans aged 18 and over. When asked questions regarding the significance of daily Internet access in their lives, 65% of respondents said they could not live without daily access. 71% said it was important or very important to have Internet access devices. 95% said it was... Devices? Devices, devices. Did I say two vices? I was, maybe I'm projecting a little bit. Is that all you have? It's just two. I, uh, Hmm. all right. And 95% said that it was somewhat important. And you've had those surveys before. Is it very important? Someone important? You know, there's no middle ground. Well, we've talked about, I mean, Sarah is, uh, this is before Sarah's time a little bit, but I, you know, I can't, I mean, I know that I did talk radio before the internet, but I don't really remember how. I mean, I don't. I it, just, was the, it was the clackety clacky, you know, UPI machine or, or AP. I or, guess there was at the AP you know, wire. There was just your own research. Spit out copy, and then there was the purple section of USA Today, and like that was. I mean, that was it. And and I do remember walking to this when I lived in uh, in uh, Utah, walking to the Barnes and Noble on Sunday, uh, and buying like nine different Sunday papers mm-hmm. from like the LA Times, New York Times, Boston Globe, Sacramento Bee, you know, whatever, and just going home. And it, about nine hours later, it's like my hands would be blackened. And I would just be up to my up to my knees in discarded newspaper, and trying to find, yeah, and just and clipping things out and pasting them like an anal retentive freak, and, and you know, and having gone through five thousand pages of newsprint, and you know, I, and it was a good night if I got like three stories out of that that I could somehow spin into radio gold like the next day. That were so, different than if you've not heard it. Yeah, I mean, it's just the um, you know the internet has really been. The Internet, and just speaking from a radio, uh, and this really is like a Craig Adams inside uh, baseball uh, discussion here, but the Internet has really been a good and bad thing for radio because on the one hand, you got access to all of these stories, all of this news. On the other hand, every single jackass DJ on the planet is going to like the same three websites to try to find all their news. Or they have a service. Yeah, or, yeah, or you just, or yeah, or you get the prepared comedy that a guy sends to you, or you go to like uh, Dig, or you go to Drudge, or Fark, or whatever, and we're certainly not above that. I am that jackass DJ that goes to dig.com every day. It, it, it makes our jobs oh. easier, although in, it, easier and more difficult yes. in the same sentence. Absolutely. Figure that one out. Ladies and gentlemen, right. Heidi Todd. And I have to finish this sentence, and thank you, Rick, that <laughs> about those who use the Internet. While overall, 46% of women, 30% of men, liars, age 18 to 34, said they would rather go without sex for two weeks than go without the Internet for two weeks. This is what percentage of who? Of the people who were surveyed for this. Well, what was the how, breakout? Uh, 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 46% of men, 30% of, uh, 46% of women, 30% of men, ages 18 to 34. Is that the breakout you want? What demo do you want? So that they were... So women, 46% of women would rather go without sex than the internet? Yes, for okay. two weeks. 30% of men. Mm. So half the women and a third of the men say, I'd rather have the internet for two weeks than sex. Well, I guess by definition, that's sort of a skewed and flawed sample because... It seems like you're then only drawing from the sample of people who are currently having sex. And it didn't say whether they were married. Yeah, so I'm That's saying... That's really true, because it's just like... Because if you're already not having sex, you're like, F it, who cares? What's another two weeks on the pile? It's another two weeks of sad drinking and weeping alone in my darkened apartment, staring into the middle distance. So you don't believe surveys, is that the No, thing? no. Okay. Well, you know, it's like I was... I remember I was, I was in London a while back, and and there was some... I don't know, they had some, some survey they were putting out about it. 95% of British women said they would prefer a hot bath and shopping to a night of sex. And you just, and you sort of hear that. Why can't you have all three? But it's like, why? <laughs> I like your style, Heidi Tauber. <laughs> you know, if you'd been more saucy uh, at kink way back when, they might have kept you. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the, the, but, I mean, you hear that, and you're just like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Really? I mean, what is the, 
What is the point of that? How am I supposed to incorporate that knowledge into my life? Use it on your show. Yeah, well, there you go. And 15 seconds. Done. <laughs> <laughs> and a cloud of dust. And, say. Right. Okay, from, from Facebook to face transplants. How about this? The nation's first near-total face transplant has been done on a woman at the Cleveland Clinic. A reconstructive surgeon, a reconstructive surgeon, replaced nearly all of the woman's face, 80% of it, according to this story, with that of a dead female donor in an operation Creepy. just a couple of weeks ago. Wait, so they cut off a dead female's face and stuck it on somebody else's? Yes, face off. Yes, face, Travolta face Cage off. style. There you go. So this is well, Great but again, underrated movie. we've been. Was this an American? Did you like it? I did. Yes, I it was in Cleveland. But this is but this is a thing where again we've been beaten to the punch by every country on earth because I think Britain did this last year and I think France. As, France was the first. Remember that? Well, no, and see, it's like France and then it's like Japan is always like here's the thing, like I I, I think that there's like a whole second Earth that has been built and is in like a biodome somewhere in Japan because they just seem so far ahead of the curve, like in every way. I mean, I already figured that like somewhere deep in the bowels of Japan, they're preparing like on the cover of the first Boston album, like a, like a, like a domed city that's going to launch into space as, as we, you know, like when we get to the breaking point with this planet where we've just like screwed things up past the point of all return. And they're just going to be like, you know, noon, we go, get in, we launch, you know, and then like into space. And they're just going to leave us all like just to, you know, just to sit, just to choke. So, uh, so I assume that they've got like full body transplants going on there already. I mean, that's just my estimation. I mean, they are a country that sells used panties out of vending machines. They're forward thinking. I'm not making it up. It's true. No, no, no. It's true. It is true. They sell used uh, female panties out of vending machines because they are a forward thinking people. Speaking of vending machines, we have to call Eric, too. Oh, yeah. We got nothing. Have you gone to the vending machine in the kitchen here? Have you seen how sad I'm not going up there now after this. Are you kidding? No, no, no. It's down the hall. Why? Is there anything good in it? No, there's there's nothing in it at all. There's just like a can of... back in weeks. There's like a can of Canadian mist or whatever that crap is that nobody wants. And then there's like a packet of peanuts and some... One of those things, they're like Mike and Ike's, but they're just the cinnamon kind. Hot tamales? Hot tamales. Oh, I'm there now. All right. Well, I'm just saying that the vending machine is... It's well, maybe he's one of those guys that can't, can't get around in the snow. And yeah, if we want yes. to, we'll go there later. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Okay, so I went to lunch real quick today. Yes. On my way back to work, one exit down the freeway, saw a couple of cars with chains on. Yeah, there was uh, oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, if the road is clear, no ice or snow on it, chains ruin the road. They ruin your tires, and they could potentially ruin your car. And let's be honest, uh, chains and studs, unless you're living in, oh, I don't know, Michigan, make you look like a jackass yeah. who doesn't know how to drive. There is, let's all say it together, it's an inch of snow. Quit being such a pussy, for the love of God. I well, mean, and the pavement was completely clear. No. Completely Get me clear. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> trust me, dude, I, look, I live in Southeast. And yeah. I was I had to drive to Beaverton. I got to drive to Beaverton this morning and back. Like you. So now Sarah and I have talked about this. In I Southeast drove today cert- and I'm a total wimp. And in certain places there are side streets still a little slick. But you know what? That's why God gave you brakes and oh I don't know upper brain function so you can decide not to go 50 miles an hour. So you know what I do when the road is slick? Drive slowly and with caution. Right. Whoa. And then. Oh, and, but then I but then I go over the Ross Island Bridge and there's that thing where you loop around to the right and you go by uh, Ryerson's Hardwoods and then you're going on to the 26 and it's the road is like bone dry it's like they just laid the asphalt yesterday and there's people creeping along at four miles an hour oh yeah and any just, minute now I'm gonna hit a I'm gonna hit a patch of ice right and it's like I mean. It, it's like they've just transplanted all of the drivers from Boise and Sandpoint and just put them on the road in front of me. And I was actually driving out there with two different people in the car, and we're all... You start to reach that 
uh, that uh, Samir Nain in a Jad office space. It's mother, son of a bitch, hitting the steering wheel, watching my schedule slip further and further behind for nothing. There's nothing on the road. So. Completely clear. There's absolutely no. You know, there was a three-hour wait to get change for your tires yesterday. A yeah. three. This is why the rest of the country laughs at us. This is why people don't take Oregon seriously in some ways. And when you said, you know, the the bozos from Boise, you didn't say bozos from Boise and Standpoint. Um, excuse me, those guys know how to drive in the snow. Uh, I, in the I, I suppose, but they but it's like yeah. they've only got one gear in Idaho, and that gear is whatever the speed limit is minus twenty miles an hour. <laughs> You're, you're insulting me here. I'm so. just saying. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks. All right. That is the state, by the way, that gave Mark Furman his own talk radio program. So, I mean, you know. Lives down the street from yeah. my brother. So really? <laughs> they get together a lot in coffee clash. Oh, sure. They're yeah. buddy. Um, one side note. Uh, say what you want about people uh, putting change in their cars yesterday for this alert for Hellstorm 08 uh, that we lived through. At least they are better than the people that we just briefly discussed who put studs on their tires. When I lived in John's Landing, I lived on uh, like Corbett or whatever, some damn street over there, and I was right by my our bedroom window was right by uh, that hill that goes up. I think it is Corbett, anyway, the apartment building, whatever. And like, I swear to Christ, like in May, that was like a tank going by. You would, yeah, you would hear the going up the hill, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, I, I thought it was like some sort of weird War of the Worlds drilling machine or something. I'm like, what is going on out there? And finally, I asked my landlord, I'm like. I'm like, what is, what is up with that scraping sound I hear sometimes? Uh, what, and he goes, oh, it's people with studs. And I said, what do you mean with studs? He goes, on their tires. And I said, why? Like, I thought it was maybe a fashion statement, like they're being kind of rakish about it or something, you know, like safety pins through the face. But it's just, and, it's just, and so they just tear up the roads, and they just, you know, it's like, anyway. Uh, let's do a couple more calls, then a couple more stories, then we'll break and be caught up here on the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Excursion into Whimsy. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, a uh, couple quick things. Yeah. The uh, best line I heard over the weekend, you know, where they're interviewing all these crazy people off of 26 and whatever, and the guy said he's got his skis on or something, and they said, uh, he goes, yeah, I'm from Colorado. You know, in Colorado we call this Sunday. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I was uh, back to the uh, sex survey. I thought you were going to go a different way with this because the guys would take two weeks off so that they could have the Internet. Isn't that generally what most guys use the Internet for anyway? <laughs> it's actually funny. While you were while, while Heidi was reading that story, Richie Bristol, our intrepid PA, type in the screen, what if all the sex you have is on the Internet? So <laughs> the Internet really is hot and cold, everything uh, you want at this point. So, yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How may I serve ye today? Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, as somebody who drives a delivery truck every day, mm -hmm. you know, if people... When it's really bad weather and you're a moron and you can't drive up a hill, yeah. don't just leave your car in the middle of the freaking road. Well, that was the other thing. is like these people and go faster. That's the other one that bugs me the most. I mean, it was, don't it, go too up a hill in the snow. It was like the opening chapters of The Stand where you would just see these cars just abandoned on the highways. Like it, it was like all the cars had molted at once and that they had just left these cast-off husks behind. And you're asking yourself, look, I know there's some ice and all, but that's like a $40,000 car that you just got out of and walked, like, to wherever you were going. And, I mean, it just it just seems like a little bit of drama queening uh, to me. That's my whole... And you know why? It's because everybody likes to have that story about, no, dude, oh, you don't even know. I had to leave my car and I had to walk half a mile home because everybody wants to be the guy with the worst, like, winter story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, go to Schwab, like, in the middle of summer or something and buy some chains and actually have two brain cells together so you can figure out how to put them on. That's maybe. crazy talk, sir. 
I know. I mean, I've been driving a truck for 20 years, and I drive a semi, and I've been driving a semi for no. the last two weeks. It's, it's, this is nothing. Yes. And, uh, sorry to hear about, uh, uh, Tim, because I was in Vegas when you guys all yeah. said that. Thank so. you, sir. Well, yeah. it's, uh, it is, uh, as, as, uh, as Jake Gyllenhaal says in, uh, you know, in Jarhead, it is, uh, it is the suck. But what are you going to yeah. do? So, uh, well, that's true. I mean, I go to Vegas for two and a half weeks. I come back and, hey, no Tim. Why it's your fault. You caused it by leaving. Well, I'd like for you to feel bad about that for the rest of the world. I had to to go blow some cash. All right. (laughs) You know, oh, to live in your world right now. And that's also the thing Uh, about uh, going away and in the nature of this business, go away for a minute. Don't blink. There'll be a change on the air. I don't take vacations. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet, man. All right. We'll do uh, one more, then a story, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hey, hi. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I actually, I grew up in Sandflight and snowy roads, are it's like the truest form of Darwinism. If you don't know how to drive in the North Idaho Rockies, you right. don't live to reproduce. So uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I was I was taking umbrage with your thing about you know people from Sandpoint and Spokane. Let me ask you this: Do you live in Sandpoint now? No. There no, you go. No, I escaped. See, that's Can't find I'm, work. That's 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 what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, look, I'm you're from Sandpoint. I'm from Kennewick. Uh, I'm from ever, Libby. Hello. Ever, ever, Libby, Montana? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Libby. If I was Colonel Rogers. Potter on MASH, <laughs> if I was Colonel Potter on MASH, I'd just say, we're practically neighbors. <laughs> we are. But, I mean, everybody's from somewhere. Sarah lived in Bremerton, uh, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, we all kind of had the sense grammar. to look around and go, God damn, this is an awful place. Yeah, I'm leaving. I, gotta, I have to go away for a long time. So, uh, did you hear what Letterman said about the shoe being thrown at George Bush? No. <laughs> he said that he hasn't dodged anything like that since the Vietnam War. Bottom bum. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's do uh, one more story, then we'll take a break. We'll come back and reset on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, in for the laid off Tim Riley, the laid off and extremely talented Heidi Tauber. Thank you, Rick. And Sarah, time now for this morning's Job Watch. Here's your Job Watch. Minimum wage. And ladies and gentlemen, on this Tuesday, Heidi Tauber with your job watch. And I wish it was good news, but it's more bad as the headlines keep telling us how bad the economy is getting. This headline, Oregon's jobless rate jumps to 8.1% in November. It uh, shot up a nearly a full percentage point. The November figure marks the state's highest jobless rate in five years. It's the fourth consecutive month that Oregon has lost more than 4,000 jobs in a month, that according to the state. In October, Oregon's unemployment rate was 72 well, this is like so this... what a phenomenal jump, and what a week, and hello, no wonder I'm not working. And that's just judging people that are getting unemployment, right? Yes, and oh, I all, was going to ask how they are more people. I didn't know how they were going to how they quantify that. Is that just job? Is that unemployment claims or whatever? Uh, there, there, there are a whole lot of things that are exempt right. from that figure, and there are several different figures, but. I, uh, it's it's bigger than I mean, I can't even really Tom tell. Hartman would explain explain that quite well. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Yes, so. in, uh, Tom Hartman explaining things is like listening to uh, is like listening to a Rush album, where it's it's one idea that is uh, then expanded into 15 uh, different parts over four sides of a record with liner notes that reference Ayn Rand on an almost <laughs> constant basis. No kidding. Um, no kidding. The, uh, but but my whole thing about that is that's like I mean it's like I keep talking about this goddamn foolishness about this auto bailout. We've got to bail out the auto industry or else people might lose their jobs everywhere. As though we're just like swimming in prosperity now. So like, you know, because there isn't like, you know, there's not enough problems. You've got to start taking money out of my wallet and yours to give to, for example, Chrysler, a company in which I cannot buy stock. 
So I'd rather you know, give it to the auto industry than the banks. I, but you know what? I'd rather give it to a company that doesn't need it. In other words, I almost okay. You know, how about CBS Radio? You know, I'm just. <laughs> Touche, Heidi Topper. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, but they, but they make this. It's like they always say that um, the richer you get, the less you have to spend money because, like, if you are a celebrity, people, you know, you, you know, people give you, uh, you know, gift baskets and food and clothing and whatever. But it's like when you're broke, nobody wants to give you anything. I almost, in a weird way, feel like that about American companies, where it's like, you know, if you can kind of prove you don't really need the money, it's like I almost want to give it to you, maybe by investing in stock. But it's like if you cannot be hand. If you cannot sell cars to men in this country, you ought to have your money-making license taken away. Hmm. I mean, really. And those men don't have jobs, how you can sell them ice in you know, Alaska? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> There's something to be said for making a small, affordable car that maybe you've had the last 30 years to work on because you lived through an, uh, an economic implosion in the 70s, which was caused by inflated gas prices. So I, there is something to be said for not making the same damn mistake, oh, I don't know, twice in a row, especially if you're Chrysler. They got $5 billion from Jimmy Carter it, under, the, under the, the auspices of like, and we'll never, ever need it again. This is going to hold us until the end of the time. And so now they needed $25 million, which was $35 billion, which was $34 billion, which is now $12 billion, which they claim is going to be enough. And we all know that that's not true because they're just a bunch of automotive pigs at the trough. And if I'm not allowed to buy stock in Chrysler, it doesn't seem like Chrysler ought to be coming to my house and asking me for a fiver. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, I didn't mean to be all angry just there. Uh, let's wrap it. That's your job watch. We'll take a break. Back after this with more of Heidi Tauber. Still to come, TMZ.com. Uh, Lisa Desjardins in the top five. It's Rick Emerson's show. Stay there. the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Here's a phrase you don't hear too often. Chris Paddock said this to me. Quote, you know who's hot? Herbert Hoover's great-granddaughter. End quote. And then there was just like no explanation given. He sort of said that and then kind of went, yep, and then sort of walked away down the hall. So there you go. Right. See, now, you have to Google. You have to Google uh, Herbert like Hoover's great-granddaughter. If you're a picture. running out of hot women to leer at during your work day when you are presumably doing something else, uh, you can look up Herbert Hoover's great-granddaughter. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. We can put her in the category. We can put her in the unlikely hot girls category right next to Gloria Allred's daughter. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Coming up here in a few, uh, we'll talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins and uh, the same Chris Paddock will actually join us in studio to count down the top five comeback albums. Of all time. Uh, of course, uh, throughout the remainder of the year, uh, we are having a series of laid-off Portland media professionals from all walks of the, uh, the media life filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Ladies and gentlemen, laid-off Portland media professional Heidi Tauber. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. And thank you so much, Rick, Sarah. This is Heidi Tauber here sitting in for the now gone. Tim Riley. A Gainesville man has been accused of stealing a small refrigerator from a probation office to destroy one of his own urine samples. He took the whole fridge so he could dump the uh, the jar. Devin, uh, Devin Perry, he's 26 years old, was arrested and charged with arson, destroying evidence, burglary, and larceny. 
The charges are connected with a break-in at the Department of Corrections, Probation, and Police uh, Parole Offices. It really seems like a place that you ought to uh, not be breaking into. Yeah, yeah, at least change your name or was something. It arson? Was he trying to burn his urine? Uh, <laughs> I he didn't want to get that. nailed on public urination. <laughs> That's just weird. Wait, burn this urine! <laughs> Uh, it seems like it would still there'd still be some residual DNA, don't you think? Is there so like he? Well, that was going to be my question. So he, what? So they made him do the urine test, and he he knew that he was not clean. Well, as a matter of fact, it's the same office that Perry reported to on the previous Friday to provide that very urine sample that tested positive for drug use. So that's according to his parole officer. And based on evidence at the scene, statements by Perry and information from probation officers, Sheriff's Office investigators pieced together the following series of events as he wanted. After realizing that his sample tested positive, Perry went to the office, shot out a window to get inside, and removed the locked refrigerator used to store the samples. After leaving the office, Perry picked up shards of window glass that had his blood on it and set the shrubbery beneath the window on fire. I don't, I don't know. Oh, was that just like a bonus? Was that sort of like, a, well, I got a few minutes to kill and all these matches. I, uh, <laughs> well, in case someone could use the bush to stand up and get in the window. Burn oh, something. No. Maybe he was hoping the bush would speak to him and offer him guidance <laughs> for. Uh... Bush. Okay. Probation officers who arrived at the office shortly before dawn saw the smoldering shrubs and called deputies. Then provided investigators with a list of those who may have had a reason to want a stored sample destroyed. Pardon me. Can you give me a list of your dumbest uh, parolees? Thank you so much. Who tested positive? Yeah. You're... So investigators began tracking down the potential suspects. At Perry's home, the investigators looked into a trash bin. Yeah. Found shards of glass with blood on them. Wrapped inside clothing believed to have been Perry's. The refrigerator had not been found. That's fantastic. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, and I really, you know, that's like, that's like a lot of work, though. I mean, wouldn't it be easier just to go, well, either A. Go buy someone's urine. I will see. I was going to, that was, I was going to lead up. I was going to say, either A, not immediately start huffing drain cleaner, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, you're, can you get that out of the joint. stuff? Well, like, see, I don't think that works. There? See, I think that's a, that's a whole. I always, yeah, I've seen it. I didn't know that if it had worked. Right. I don't know. Well, they sell that, like, detox stuff or whatever. Here's a, here's an interesting story. Uh, one of my deadbeat older brothers who, uh, at this time in his life, was he was, like, driving truck. He was just, you know, Doing this long haul stuff, and they would, and they started testing, and it was that whole conversation. Everybody was like, "I don't know, dude." They just like, "I just started testing. I'm not sure what I'm gonna." I mean, I but I mean, uh, but I don't know. I mean, what about what, what did just don't do? It. What did Jerry do? I mean, well, Jerry. I mean, was that? But I mean, every week. I mean, well, like, do they give you some warning or? <laughs> what do they watch you? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. And I just got do. this job, and so no lie, like I try to spend like as little time with my family as humanly possible. Really, I mean, it's just it's almost like court mandated time, and then beyond that, I just you know. But the, I went to his house. I don't know, maybe five, six weeks after that, like for some other purpose altogether. Like I was my mom, I was picking up my mom or something. And, but I walk into his kitchen, and it's like you know, it's a regular kitchen. It's like pots, pans stack of drug, of like urine cleaning uh, tea, like nine feet high, and then, you know, like pot holders or whatever. Um, so they do that. But it seems like it's easier just to go find some Amish guy and buy his pee and then you stick it in the jar and then you're good. I mean, clearly this guy who like stole the fridge and set fire to the shrub, I mean, he was obviously motivated. It's not like he lacked for enthusiasm or drive. Maybe use some of that enthusiasm go find yourself some, uh, you know, some drug-free urine somewhere. I don't know. Or, you know, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. I'm just it. You know that there's actually a thing called the urinator? Is this the, pl- the fake penis? Wow. This is just sort of escalated so quickly. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's actually something like that that has a, a you, you have a, a bag of. But I want to note that you're gesturing, at your, you're gesturing at your left breast while you're describing the urinator. <laughs> 
It's, it's something I don't know. that you hold. Your in grasp of physiology <laughs> may differ from mine. It's for a penis, you know, right that. here. I'm from that biosphere place. It, it, uh-huh. Things are different. It, it It's a, a bag of urine, I believe, and connected to a almost like a catheter, and it runs down. In, it's in your clothing. Oh, so the body heat, the so it stays warm. There you go. And right. then it's, so if you are watched and you hold your unit and pee into a cup, <laughs> that it looks like you actually are peeing your own pee. You know, I heard this on Tom Hartman's show. Really. <laughs> I was going to say, you, know, you be, oh. really, you never got to say this uh, at Kink, probably. <laughs> and or here's... anywhere else. And, and now you wonder why I was fired when I wasn't saying these things. And then your urine will be warm. Here's Jackson Brown. <laughs> right. yeah. Running uh, on empty. Ladies and gentlemen, Heidi Tauber. From the crazy to the more serious and the wonderful thing, I believe it is, and probably mostly for New Yorkers, Caroline Kennedy, the daughter of an American political dynasty, of course, has decided to pursue the United States Senate seat being vacated by Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton of New York. The decision came after a series of deeply personal political conversations in which Kennedy, whom Fred described as unflashy but determined. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a headline. Put that on the marquee. Unflashy but determined, wrestled with whether to give up what has been a lifetime of avoiding the spotlight. Although lately, have you noticed, she's on everywhere. So what does she do? I she mean, other than being a candidate. Philanthropy, I think, mostly. But I mean, that's no, code. And she worked with a... That's uh, code for doing nothing. No, 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 no. I think she was involved with, a, I think it was an educational commission in New York City that she was, I think, running... And so there was this, there's a, uh, you know, a, a degree of uh, a public service track record. Plus, also, she's written a bunch of books and stuff. Okay. Yeah. She's, not a, she's not an unsubstantial person. So no, she's done stuff. It's absolutely. She's done stuff. And we're yeah. on campaigns, too, I believe. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So, oh. so I, as a, I'm not, maybe volunteer. Uh, I'm not sure about the paid, paid aspect of that. So. Right. All right. So, anyway, you know who else is running for that seat? If you heard? The no. nanny. Yeah, Fran, Fran Drescher. Really? How yep. would you like to hear that? I would vote for her in a heartbeat. She's <laughs> dreaming. I would vote for her in a heartbeat just because I like it, just because I'm in favor of anything that screws up the system. I mean, I'm really, I'm just... I think a, she's very, very smart. I am well-spoken. Whatever, actually, believe it or not. Smart, dumb, doesn't matter. I'm in favor of whatever causes problems and discord. It does, Really, it's like what when I go to vote, I know a lot of people are sort of, you know, sort of like, I want, who's, I want someone who has good ideas and morals and who has a strong track record of the... I look at the ballot and I try to assess uh, who will do the most damage uh, to the political system. So you voted for George twice, is that what you're I'm just saying, whoever, you know, whatever gums up the works, I'm for that. Uh, you know, and, and whatever will irritate my in-laws. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, so like this last Don't election. Don't wonder she goes to Facebook. No, I'm no? just saying this, this, this last election was like a no-lose for me uh, because, you know, it's like it's Sarah Palin and John McCain. Uh, who I think were running in that order would have won. You know, then it's like show prep for me, and I get to sit back and just watch. Uh, I want I get to watch the fire that is sort of consuming the American political system burn a little bit brighter and bigger. But, you know, but if you know, but then I was thinking, okay, Obama wins, uh, then I get to stick it to all of my uh, idiot racist relatives. So I mean, really, there was just no. And I am fairly sure, I've said this a few times, I'm fairly sure that that night, uh, Tuesday night at, what, 7.45 or 8.45, whenever it said, Barack Obama elected president, if you listened really, really closely, you could just hear the small remaining pieces of my in-law's uh, soul just die right there. And it was really deeply satisfying. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, the, I mean, it wasn't quite like putting Hillary in office. Which I think might have actually killed several of my relatives, uh, but I mean, you know, more so than than a black so-called oh, Muslim you, uh, who, you know, no, I, who has terrorist ties. No, because 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 the thing is that uh, you know the, the Barack Obama certainly. Let's be honest. There's large sections of this country that still are just not ready to step into even the mid 20th century, uh, much less the 21st century. 
but Hillary also has the added advantage of just being shrill and evil. And which Ooh. and I love her. Don't get me wrong. I love her for those reasons. Because you get the feeling that Hillary Clinton, I will just say this. And then we'll, you know, I don't want to sit and do postmortem on an election that's like, you know, two, you know, a month and a half ago, but um I do I do feel like Hillary Clinton does have a lot of ideals and things that she deeply believes in. I really do believe that. Like her husband who Bill, Bill Clinton is obviously a man with um you know, there's obviously a, a divergence uh, within Bill Clinton's uh, soul and he has you know, he he wrestles with his own his own inner angels and demons on an on an almost uh, constant basis I would imagine, but I also believe that Bill Clinton deeply cares about things and issues and people and you know there there are things that he really is passionate about but it has to be but it, he has to fight through this like this gauzy filter of like look at her you know and it's just it so it becomes a whole weird thing with Hillary Clinton it, I feel kind of the same way in that I really honestly believe that Hillary Clinton has issues children's issues healthcare issues uh issues of affecting the American worker that she Husband really issues. yeah the places where she really wants to make change but it's just like she believes in it so deeply that she will kill anyone who gets in her way to do it. Like, if you wrong Hillary Clinton, you know, they're, they're going to find your bones ground in a powder uh, in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> in and an I envelope think, at, yeah, at we, the senator's office down the Yeah, hall. we all know that's true. You were just talking about, about the Kennedys and Caroline Kennedy. I got to tell you, if there's any people talk about Bill Clinton and how he was sort of, you know, Bill Clinton was like the JFK for the 90s. Hillary Clinton is the Joseph Kennedy uh, for the 90s. Ooh. You know, you cross that guy, uh, you and your whole family would get whacked into hamburger. So. Preston, maybe. Uh, or, yeah, Preston Bush. Ask Peter Lawford about that. Uh, all right. Okay, you were talking You were talking about the racist in-laws. Yes. Well, a blind man was turned away from an Indian restaurant after the owner said the guide dog is against his Muslim beliefs. The guide dog against the Muslim beliefs. The way this is written, it makes it sound like the guide dog is against the beliefs. Had the, had the guide dog written extensively about this? Or <laughs> See, that's, that's even a guest on the Michael Savage program? It's from the, the, the Daily Mail. A blind oh. man allegedly turned away from an Indian restaurant because the owner said it was against Muslim beliefs to allow dogs into his establishment. Aloon Elder Brown, who was among a party of birthday guests... His name is Aloon? Aloon. Well, sometimes the parents just see that coming, don't they? <laughs> It's not L-O-O-N, okay? Ah. Excuse me. He was uh, even threatened with the police call of his guide dog. Didn't leave despite showing an animal permit. And from the picture, here we go again with picture on radio. It's just like more of that, like... Blind. Is this like more of that business of like you can't draw a stick figure of Muhammad or something? Oh. Wasn't that the, isn't that the, the thing? Like there's, yeah, there's like there's any number of, uh, you know, like you can't do stuff or depict things or whatever. Is this like the same thing we're talking about here? It sounds something similar. It's it's a totally uh, a private establishment, though, so the owner has, I suppose, the right. No, but see, I don't think that's the case. We had a whole discussion about this. Um, hey, can we drop Peter's mic here for a second? I think it's giving me a little echo. And that probably is Katie Darrell. Um, so we'll get Katie Darrell in a moment, and then we'll, but we'll wrap this up. Sure. We had a whole discussion on the show one time about uh, those signs in restaurants. It's like, we reserve the right to refuse service to anybody, which I don't think is true. Because I was saying, like, you know, you can't just be like, and you, and you, and you, leave now. And... Because they're profiling, perhaps? Well, because I said, well, look, it's either true or it's not. Because you hear about people that are, you know, they're kind of sued for discrimination or, you know, whatever. There's a uh, prominent restaurant chain that had any number of well-publicized incidents with uh, some of their black clientele. And I said, well, look, can, can you either, you know, stop people from coming in or not? Like, somebody tell me. And a lawyer called up and he said, you can, provided that the reason does not fall into one of the protected classes by law, which I do believe guide animals are covered by. 
And I'm sorry for ending a sentence with a preposition, but sometimes that's the way it comes out of my head, and there's just no time to fix it. Okay, so this guy is suing, by the way, so that's the end of that story. Well, all right, there you go. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, the home of all things good, uh, Katie Darrell. Hello, Katie. Hi, how are you? I'm adorable with a side of fantastic. How are you? Splendid. Yes, it is. Can I say, by the way, are you, katiedarrell.com, it's a dumb question. Is that your website? That is me. Uh, your website is, uh, I mean, really, for all the world, I expect your website to have been authored by Candace Bushnell. I mean, it really is just like, uh, it's pretty adorable, I have to put it that way. So. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. It does have like the kind of cartoon figure of me and my dog, and it's got a bunch of pictures and videos and all kinds of good stuff. It's almost like an Elizabeth Montgomery bewitched uh, kind of an opening animation you got going at your website. You know there, what? So. It is. You're absolutely right. It, it is a little fun and a little bewitched. Let me ask you this right now. Uh, really, if, uh, if you had to uh, be nailed down to pick a favorite, do you go bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie? dream of genie all right good for you i um, got it i mean just the magic of that bottle and the outfit i mean like I, when you have the option of going slutty or not slutty you gotta go slutty uh, that's look you were singing my song sister uh so uh i will apologize kind of right now that the tmz updates so quickly and there's just such a cavalcade of uh of stuff you guys are talking about i don't really kind of know where we are as of now so i will put it to you as i sometimes do what are the stories on tmz.com that katie darrell is most interested in as we speak all right a couple of ones that we're most interested in first off tom cruise all right so he went on the today show yesterday and sat down with matt lauer this is uh what about two and a half three years after he sat down with matt and called him lib and kind of was crazy doing right. his whole like jump on the couch with Oprah, you know, yelling at, you know, Matt Lauer, just going around acting really bizarre. So he goes back to the Today Show, does his little act of contrition, you know, hey, I'm sorry, mea copa, mea copa. Uh, but then we got this other video that was shot from outside of the studio that I guess in between breaks and when Tom wasn't on air, he was actually playing ping pong with crew members because they had a ping pong table there because they were trying to, you know, sell it or something about, like, you know, holiday gift ideas. But Tom, instead of just, like, chillaxing in the green room, was, like, playing Forrest Gump ping pong the entire time, actually playing really well. Well, of course, and... because he's an android. I mean, it's well, like, the, like, can I speak for everybody here when I say the notion of Tom, like, if Tom Cruise just sat in the chair between segments looking at the floor and making a low-grade humming noise, like, mm, that would actually be less unnerving than the idea that he's really enthusiastically playing ping pong. Which well, I find just terrifying. Because it makes him seem like actually more of a normal human being. And that's what we are all terrified by. by. But he like looked like a normal person having a good time. And we're like, ooh, that's creepy because we know he's not. When you, when you picture Tom Cruise playing ping pong, though, uh, between, you know, the, between segments on the show, don't you picture him playing really well, but then just laughing maniacally all out of context? <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> like, like a... Like video. Exactly, like, here's a return. <laughs> you know, and then just back with another one. And I mean, it's just... It, Tom Cruise is, I think, at this point, incapable of doing anything that doesn't fill me with a deep and abiding sense of dread, like in the very core of my being. Well, let me tell you, you're going to absolutely then love the story that we put together with this video for the TV show tonight. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in TMZ style, we don't just show you the video. We kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek and make fun of and pull other clips. And we definitely pulled that old video clip of Tom Cruise with that Scientology video where he's doing that diabolic laugh. And right. so we do kind of intercut, like, him playing and then laughing, him playing and then laughing. So Wonderful. Really enjoy that tonight. You're good people. You really are. <laughs> what else is uh, on your best. radar, Katie Darrell? Well, um, how about I don't know if you're a big fan of this whole like Pete Wentz, Ashley Simpson like uh, drama that they haven't no. poured out their baby picture yet. Only, only in that I, I keep watching them, hoping that I'll be there when something bad happens to one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I keep wanting, I keep 
shaking myself going, why do we care about these two? Yes. Why do we care? Well, you know, they had a baby about something like maybe 25 days ago. Uh, it has a weird name, like Mowgli, as in, you know, the Disney movie. And apparently none of the magazines have been shelling out the money to get pictures of this baby. Now, Pete Wentz and Ashley Simpson have come forward saying, well, we're not trying to whore out the baby pictures. We don't like that. Yeah, right, you whored out your own wedding. Give me a break. No one's buying. Is the baby already writing melodramatic blog postings under the oh, username oh, of emo, Purple emo. Raven? Yeah. <laughs> but here's what's great is uh, Pete Wentz was out doing, like, this you know, signing for his latest album, um, and there's a bunch of teenagers surrounding him, and it seems like a, we, we're calling him Wobbly Wentz because he, he seems like he could be perhaps a bit tipsy, um, considering he's surrounded by 15-year-old teenagers, you know, right. screaming for his music, and he's pretending to do cocaine off of the CDs. So clearly you're not in good judgment form at that point. But then he says, oh, I'm going to show you a baby picture. So he pulls out his iPhone, and he's all clicking around, and then he pulls up the camera phone, to our camera, and it's a picture of Pete Wentz with uh, John Mayer. Isn't he hilarious? Oh, uh, my you know, God. Look as, long as, look, as long as it's not more pictures of his penis. I mean, I think that's all, you know. Hey, you should start a rumor, Katie Darrell. You guys should start a rumor that Pete Wentz has insured his pillow-like lips uh, for, like, 500 grand. <laughs> you spread that rumor right now, I'll back you up. I'll say that I saw the contract myself. You know what? I'm just going to say that you're my inside source, and I got it for someone that, you know, we should definitely trust. I mean, why wouldn't the Portland community know this See? secret? That's what I call a symbiotic relationship, Katie Darrell. I'm down for it. I'm oh. down for any relationship at this point. I'm desperate for the holidays. I like your style. All right. Uh, Katie Darrell, TMZ.com, of course, the website, uh, or KatieDarrell.com to find out more about the charming person behind this lovely voice. Katie Darrell, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. All right. There you go. That is Katie Darrell, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to come back around the corner. Lisa Desjardins. Then Chris Paddock will be in the studio to count down the top five comeback albums of all time. Uh, plus, uh, laid-off media professional Heidi Tauber in from Portland. Laid-off media professional Tim Riley. More of your phone calls and all that. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Like is the three. Michael Mara's show uh, at 7 and uh, so forth. Still to come this hour, top five comeback albums of all time. Uh, we're going to be counted out by Chris Paddock from Rock 101 uh, KUFO. More from laid-off Portland media professional Heidi Tauber, who is filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, and so forth. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Lisa. How are you today? Hey, how you doing? I am doing fantastically. Wow. Uh, hurrah. Yeah. Is that a dog barking in the background? <laughs> oh, no. That's just my really rusty microphone stand. And I need to move it, and it just keeps making a lot of noise. Hold on. Let's both you and I be quiet while you move the stand. Let's see how loud the stand is on its own. That was about it. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's, it sounded it kind of spooky. And then, you know... All right, no, it's, uh, wait, hold on, let me see if I can, no, they fixed mine. All right, well, anyway. uh, all right, uh, so I, let's, I don't, where to begin, where to begin, where to begin, where to begin. Right, right. So we actually had led off uh, the news hour, uh, now like uh, two hours ago or something like this, uh, about 
about the reserve and cutting their rates and just all of this, all of this insanity that they're trying to, where it just seems like they're just throwing every, like a series of wacky wall walkers. Uh, they're throwing all of these sort of pseudo solutions at this economic problem. I think eventually it's like a fire of unknown provenance. Because they always say that thing about certain fires, like, well, you know, you don't use water on electrical fires, but you only use baking soda on grease fires. But on all other kinds of fires, you're supposed to use a mix of flame retardant solution and water, and you just don't really know. And so you eventually, you know, you're just, uh, you're just out there uh, like Howie Long in the movie Firestorm, just trying every single thing you can. And that kind of seems to be where we are now. So right. with that being you know, said, right, right. let's bring us, bring us everybody at the speed. What is being done as we speak to try to fix our broken-ass economy? Right. Well, uh, the Federal Reserve is pretty much giving money away, <laughs> for, for one, um, as well as printing money. And uh, so far that hasn't really done a lot, though critics have said that uh, without all of this, uh, things would be a lot worse. Um, yeah, today the Federal Reserve lowered, again, the federal funds rate, which affects the interest rate we all see for loans, for houses, all of that stuff. But, I mean, as a lot of your listeners know, uh, they had already lowered that rate nine times in the last year and two months, and now they've lowered it a tenth time, so that at this point they literally sent out a fantastic statement from, you know, the always professorial uh, Federal Reserve that said we are lowering the federal funds rate to a range between a quarter point and zero. <laughs> so so, they, so to nothing. Nothing. They literally are are giving away loans for free, potentially. And, you know, that Wall Street loved it. Wall Street had a big bounce. That's great. Maybe there will be some more loaning in the economy. Maybe it all trickle down, as the Federal Reserve is hoping. But up until this point, that, that really hasn't happened to any large extent. And now, you know, there's nothing left in the barn. The Federal Reserve really doesn't have any of its strongest tool to use anymore they went for broke literally i mean does it the the uh I mean, the fact that you lowered what was it eight previous times that they lowered these nine this nine tenth. i mean here's a dumb question Does that have any demonstrable effect um you know it, it's debatable some some people would say that that things would have been much worse if they hadn't done that and i i think i think there's no doubt about it if they hadn't ever lowered the interest rate, uh, we would be in catastrophic times right now. But, you know, just like those stimulus checks, it, the, these rate cuts have never had the effect right. that the Federal Reserve wanted and that we've seen rate cuts have in the past. In the 90s, for example, Federal Reserve rate cuts really were a fantastic tonic for the economy. But this time, you know, the best that they've done is kind of keep the patient alive, not really restore health. This is sort of like uh, in video game terms. Uh, this is sort of like when you're playing Left 4 Dead and, uh, you know, you, you weathered a terrific zombie attack and you have very little health and another player gives you a bottle of pain pills which serve as a temporary uh, energy boost, but the effect wears off within about nine minutes and then you better have found a permanent solution by then or your brains are going to be consumed by the legions of the undead. <laughs> yeah, I think we're there. Okay. Well, thank you for playing along nicely with that, even if even if you didn't really understand it or agree with it. Um, Not exactly. All it was, uh, Wrath of Khan is all that came to mind. Well, that's okay. You know, you can never go wrong with that in this exactly. audience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, final question before you wrap this up. It, it, it does actually say here on the CNN prep sheet that they're just printing money. And yes. I'm no, like, Rhodes Scholar or nothing, but I was always to understand that that was a bad idea, that when you just had... Like right. some guy named Snuffy down in the basement, like mimeographing out sheets of thousands to give to the American people, that that just ended up with like everything costing, you know, with like a box of Wheaties costing 50 bucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not from Zimbabwe, but I am from the South. 
and you know, and where the memory is long of how that worked yeah. out the last time a, a United States government printed money uh, to big extent. You know, when they say that, the interesting thing is, I, I, I don't think it is literal in the sense that they are. You know, there's someone there with a mimeograph machine, just come on, go, go. Uh, but, but what's happening is the Fed is just. Um, Giving out money essentially, uh, loans that that they are that they have the power. It's just like it's the same thing as printing money technically, but in a digital economy uh, that that they are giving out credit uh, that that they are just calling up from thin air. And and you know it, it could it could bite us later. We did see though last month prices went down by a huge by you know relatively huge amount in large in large part because of uh, oil prices and gas prices going down. But yeah, we could really get bit on the butt. Uh, by inflation later because of all of this, but you know everyone would say, well, at least we'll, at least maybe you'll have jobs uh, if price, prices will be terrible, but you might have a job. I, I don't know the old company store. I don't know if that's coming back. It's it's all very uh, unclear. All right, it's really my and I swear to I swear to God, this is my final observation. Um, uh, my final observation is this: we keep looking for you know non-traditional ways for people to make money and maybe trying to uh, turn a little bit of this uh, economic straw into some financial gold. Here's what somebody needs to be selling. Man, metaphors, zing zing, yeah. Some guy, some guy needs to create and now market uh, the uh, like the, like a bailout version of Monopoly. Because, you know, they sell those city-specific versions of Monopoly, and there's like Star Wars right. Monopoly and Star Wars Star Trek Monopoly and Portland, right. Oregon. Somebody needs to make like a bailout kind of Monopoly, but you just call the game bailout. Like you wouldn't even need to get the permission of, of Parker Brothers or whatever. You, like you would, it would just be sort of – you would pass it off as satire, and instead of Monopoly, the game would just be called bailout. And it would be sort of like – it would be sort of like you know your uh, you know like you know your your handout from the federal government has been denied lose a turn or whatever go to debtor's prison i'm just saying and then instead of buying hotels uh, you know you would buy perhaps shuttered factories where you then attempt to uh, to generate some kind of business I think that's great. I, I can tell you don't really think it's a great idea. Yeah, I, and I think it's no. I think at some point though, you and this is where this is where we're going too far. But but I I, I think at some point you know you should too much bailout and you just get sidled with a huge punishment. All right. All right. Well, okay. I'll go back to the lab and work on it some more. Yeah, uh, please. Uh, all please. right. Are you on tomorrow, Lisa? I am. All right. We will speak with you then. Until that time, uh, may you have exciting. a fantastic day. You, you, this is a new time slot for me. It's very exciting. Well, because we normally have you like at the beginning of the show, but uh, you've been kind of, uh, I don't know, hornswoggled with breaking stories that you kind of have to be covering. Yeah, so. there's, it's true. We had the, oh. yeah, the interest rate broker. But I, I like it. It feels, you know, like a brand new day. Well, you know what? Uh, a little change-up is necessary to keep the spice alive, Lisa. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I don't know. All right, then. Thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Lisa. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> so the great. little callback there, just ending with the microphone. All right. Um, so, yes, what Maddox's he... not in the building. All right, so did he leave? Yeah, there's that meeting. All right. Well, I knew, I knew. The, oh, that's right. Yeah. They changed the time. There was it changes. A, there was a staff meeting uh, that we're, of course, More not able to go to. For all Everybody loves change, Sarah. Yes. All right. Well, you know what? We can uh, we can try to do it on the other side here when that uh, sort of uh, brings things to a close. So without further ado, let's do this. Uh, we will go to uh, the news uh, desk with Heidi Tauber later on. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back uh, after that and uh, attempt to do the uh, top five in the second half of this hour. Pardon me. Filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, make way for laid-off Portland media professional Heidi Tauber. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. 
afternoon. It is afternoon. Hello, Heidi Cotter. It is. On the uh, classic one to ten scale, how would you rate your experience on the Rick Emerson radio program so far? Oh, I'm 11 and a half, perhaps. Oh, Yay. you. I, I'm not kidding. I, this is the, it's the funnest thing for free I've ever done. <laughs> May I say that? Can I, can I say that? Seems it? like there's some sort of crude rejoinder uh, that I could probably come up with, but uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to work on that and get back to you. One so. of those falling out of the mouth things yeah. that should right. probably been rehearsed. One of the greatest stories in the last couple of weeks, if not months, is the shoe throwing incident. And because the Iraqi journalist who threw those shoes at U.S. President George W. Bush, he appeared before a judge today and admitted aggression against the president. So there is some kind of meaning to his hysteria. Wait, so this is wait, but so he appeared in front of an Iraqi judge. Yes. Now I did. Now what is the? I see. I can't even keep track of what the hell is going on over there. Do they? Are we still running everything, or do they have their own? System they have the, their own judicial system. Uh, all right. Yes, they do. As a matter of fact, it was a an investigating judge. So doesn't that sound like a bit of a... I, I really have no idea. It <laughs> seems like at some point the U.S. training wheels have got to come off the Iraqi bicycle and they've got to learn how to run their, their, their country by themselves. I mean... So what, what would you do with this Iraqi journalist who threw his shoes at a U.S. president? Well, I don't know. Am I, am I an American court? Or am I in an Iraqi court? <laughs> He's I charged mean, with it, different things there than he would have I mean, been here. I mean, isn't the answer in certain countries that everything is just a series of beatings and then a night in the box? Caning, yeah. I <laughs> mean, really. I mean, it's, yeah, seriously. I mean, everything is like a Michael Fay I spray painted, and so they're going to beat my ass with a rattan cane in the public square kind of a thing. Well, apparently, he's charged with things there differently than he would have been in this country Perhaps could have been treason. Right. I mean, that's that's a, a you know, threatening a threatening a president is a uh, punishable by death. I will say, well, here's the thing: first of all, you don't want to screw with that in America. I mean, you threaten a president here. I mean, the Secret Service is going to come and they're going to put you in a black bag and they are going to beat you senseless with a tire iron. Um, but I will also say this: the kind of weird thing about that whole uh, Iraqi shoe throwing incident. And I was watching the footage last night on um, on Anderson Cooper. I was watching AC 360. And, I mean, look, first of all, I don't advocate, condone, promote, endorse, or encourage any act of violence against any uh, uh, governmental official uh, on any level. That is wrong, uh, both legally and morally, and the Rick Emerson show uh, is on the record right now saying not to do these things. Okay, that being said... That being said... It's just ludicrous when Anderson Cooper's like right out of the gate, but first up, how safe is the president? Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you this, and I swear to God, like Anderson Cooper, who I typically have a great amount of respect for because he's stylish and wonderful. And ladies and gentlemen, we ask you this question, is the president safe? We show you this shocking footage. And then it's like a guy throwing a Buster Brown at him from like 15 yeah. feet away. And you say, you know what? Somewhere there's somebody, somebody whose last name rhymes with Kennedy, you're just kind of like shaking their head and just turning off the television going to have a belt. You know what I mean? Um, but they kept showing the footage. Over and it's like six seconds long, over and over and over, and I was getting like Rodney King burnout in my head. <laughs> and it's like, and and because it's only six seconds of footage, it's like they kept having to show it slower and slower. And you get to the point where the guy's like, with the shoe, and then the second shoe. And meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, where is the Secret Service? Like, have they already just started looking for other jobs at this point? Are they not even around? It is a little weird that you could get off, uh, two, you know, like hurling two objects at a president and the Secret Service isn't immediately reducing your bones to dust. And that was Cooper's question last yeah. night, too. Didn't he say, oh, and where are they? And yeah. one big black guy comes from just off of the side and sort of kind of tackles the the shoe offender. Yeah. And so, uh, you do wonder why they don't really feel like that. My you? final observation here, uh, and then we'll get to the uh, top five, is that apparently White House uh, mouthpiece Dana Perino suffered a black eye during this whole thing. 
I mean, I had a couple people tell me that, although I didn't see her anywhere in the film, uh, which is, you know, so, I mean, if anybody has uh, has footage of the white-hot Dana Perino, uh, like sort of, you know, I'm just saying, any footage of Dana Perino is good footage when you're Rick Emerson, so you uh, you let, let me know about that. Uh, more news from Heidi Tauber coming up later on in the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the program Chris Panic, uh, uh, Program Director, Operations Manager, Rock 101 KUFO. Hello, sir. Thank you. Howdy. How are you, my friend? Oh, what am I... Uh, We're going to have you switch talk. microphones. There's a oh, bit of a buzz on How about mic. this one? There we go. Oh, there's, there's no hum. All right. How are and you? I, I'm good. How are you? All right. I'm sorry about the top five getting sort of shunted aside. I'm sorry. I was running late. I, I ran in wearing my ski cap, my... Uh, my jacket and my scarf. You know what? We're, Your nose uh, is so much the, uh, Yeah, the tundra. It's because you're Portland. a game day player. Chris That's Patrick. me. I'm here. And uh, Bobby Roberts immediately told me to get, get my ass in here. Are we ready to do this thing? Five, yeah. All right. four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Chris Paddock with today's Top 5. In the world of musical entertainment, there are few things that are more rare or wonderful than the comeback. When written off the pop culture map, an artist can still surprise with a triumphant return to the center stage. As we ponder Britney Spears' latest reemergence, we ponder these, the top five musical comebacks of all time. So this is, uh, of course, prompted by uh, Britney Spears having a number one album, Circus, which I think is her first number one album in uh, mm, ten years. Maybe since Oops, I Did It Again. Yeah, I'd say that. Like that. Yep, right. Safe to say. These are the top five musical comebacks, album-wise, of all time. Honorable mention going to The Traveling Wilburys, uh, Volume 1, I believe. That was their self-titled release. Quick, Heidi Tauber, name all the members of the Traveling Wolverines. Um, Willie Nelson. <laughs> nope, fail. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Uh, Although that, I do. Lose. That was the Highwaymen. That was the Highwaymen. Okay, yeah. thank you. And yeah, also yeah, the Outlaws. We would have accepted the Outlaws as well. <laughs> George Harrison. Yeah. Okay. Hey, there you go. I kept, keep, have to keep going? Yes. Uh, Roy Orbison. Up. Yes. Um, a couple more. Um... There was that, that one guy in that one band. <laughs> you turned into Chris Farley just now. Wow. <laughs> Remember when you were in that one band with that one guy? It was awesome. In the elevator. Chris Paddock. Uh, the other members were uh, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan. And one more. Jeff Lynne. There you go, baby. Jeff Lynne gets kind of like he gets lost in the shuffle. I, I got to tell he's you. He's a very valuable member of this uh, group. He was the producer, and he was actually the guy that we are all like, who's... Oh, ELO. Yeah. It, like, ELO is kind of a faceless band. It was. It, it was seen as sort of a Beatles, um, I don't know, what did you say, a tribute? Well, Beatles. they had a lot of those. A lot, a lot of that stuff. Sort of like an even more orchestral cheap trick. Yeah. 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 What a great album this was, though. Solid group. Uh, loved uh, the song uh, Tweeter and the Monkey Man. Yeah. Uh, also, this uh, Wilbury's album has got one of the finest things that Bob Dylan wrote throughout that era. Uh, era. It's a song called uh, Congratulations. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. It's Which like is crying like, your beer songs. Well, and it, it, but it's mean, man. Yeah. It's like Dylan just raised scorn to an art form <laughs> early on. Is you know, you just kind of wasted my precious time. But don't think <laughs> twice. It's all right, you know. And it's like a. Argh! And this song, Congratulations on Breaking My Heart. It really is just like the angriest, saddest breakup song you have ever heard in your life. And another thing you could say, we're talking about comebacks, you could say this sort of launched the Roy Orbison comeback, Absolutely. Too, uh, because Mystery Girl uh, came out not too long uh, after this came out. These are the top five musical comeback albums of all time. Number five, Heart, their self-titled album. 
Hart on Capitol Records. Six. 86. They had a lot of big poofy hair and bustiers. And and then uh, Nancy Wilson on the cover of this album had like the plunging neckline with her alabaster skin. And then that huge like cameo kind of like a piece of costume jewelry. Yeah, but it was like right. this massive like rhinestone thing around her neck. It's a weird choker. It was, it was the weirdest like it was the weirdest look for those guys. Wait, this wasn't the album though where they did the video and Ann Wilson was uh, apparently overweight at the time and the record label felt necessary to dress her up so they stuck her in a welding mask. No, no, no. That's the that's for the song Alone, which was off of Bad Animals. Oh, God, I love that was an song. insult. Me too. This whole album. Yum. Who's bumping? Wait for it. You've been high. Yeah. They taught us how to love. Too bad there's not a camera in here because that would. I know I'm very so straight up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a uh, chick's yeah. night out all of a sudden here in the uh, <laughs> AM 970 room. Hey, another thing about this album, uh, I think that it, correct me if I'm wrong. This is a big Desmond Child. Uh, no, 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 no. It was, uh, no, it was, uh, no, no, no. It was uh, Ron Nevison. Ron Nevison produced. Yeah. And it was actually Ron Nevison's work on this that got him the job of producing Crazy Crazy Nights for Kiss. Okay, and then what about Cheap Trick, The Flame? That is, that's not Desmond Child, that's Holly Knight. That's Holly Knight. I think okay. who wrote that. All right. Hi, we're lifeless nerds. Shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to say, though, this is a strong record. I don't care for the song These Dreams, which is the big single from this, yeah. but this is a strong album. And I know it's not fashionable to say this, especially here in the Northwest. Where the you know the space needle looms over everything, but you know what songs like Alone and What About Love and all of those, all I want to do is make love to you. Those are great pop songs. Yes. And you're not supposed to be like, no, dude, it's all about like it's all about like uh, you know uh, Dreamboat Annie, it, which is is great. I love these songs totally. Oh, See, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Barracuda. Chris Paddock, top five musical comeback albums of all time. Number four, Tony Bennett, MTV Unplugged. Oh, the good life. Yeah. Is this one the one he did Mikeless? I think, well, but isn't that his gimmick, though, yeah. that he always performs Mikeless or, you know, in certain venues? He'll do one song, like an old-style saloon singer. I think he talked about that on the show when you were uh, interviewing him. And yeah. That's, that's sort of a, a thing that he'll do in his show. I think he's mic'd on this, though. It, it was unplugged. I mean, they could have just not had any mics whatsoever. It could have just been so Just be honest. Here's the thing about Tony Bennett. He really is an icon. He's a living legend and all that. It, it, but... What people don't really remember is sort of, you know, back in, in that time, he was considered by many people a lot of, like kind of a B-lister. Yeah. You know, he was he was sort of the, uh, you know, he was sort of the... Um, he was Vagoda? I was... See, I was going to say he was the Bush uh, to Frank Sinatra's Nirvana. Okay. In the opinion of many people. But here's the moral. It's sort of like a musical tontine in that if you outlive all of your peers, you will become an icon. True. Outlive, outlast, outplay. Clean living, baby. Clean living, and then wait for your uh, wait for all your colleagues to booze themselves to death, <laughs> and then you will be like king of the hill. What if Tony was the man feeding them all that booze? There is no Frank. Have another drink. Now, you don't need a driver, baby. You're fine. You know, and just you know, just if you hang out long enough, you will become the last man standing. Yeah, and this was from that era too, where uh, the Gen Xers sort of uh, gravitated to Tony Bennett. And yep. I, I do want to point out one thing that I thought was not a good idea, and it was sort of the equivalent of putting Bob Hope in a Hope in a Fonzie wig on a Bob Hope Christmas special was when uh, Tony Bennett was wearing like a whole bunch of like grunge gear with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, you remember that when he was no, on the MTV no, Movie Awards? No, I blocked that out. That's I, terrible. Is it like, uh, Isn't that awful? Is it like Ed McMahon having to rap uh, for like whatever that uh, that finance company is now? <laughs> yes, kind of like that. Yeah. Top five uh, musical comebacks of all time, Chris Number Paddock. three, LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. That's what I'm talking about. 
love this album. This is one of the best. This is one of the best hip hop singles ever released. Don't call it a comeback. Did you ever see uh, him do this on Plug? Yes. Fantastic. Oh, you boys. Are we not nodding our heads in unison just now? Sorry. Sorry. It's just one of the greatest comeback singles ever. Really don't call it a comeback. No, don't. Sorry. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> Look at you, Leia. Try me sipping that haterade. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Men. <laughs> oh, I'm the Can't live with him. Can't live with him. And people Can't forget live with that, him. that he really... him in a bag. <laughs> okay. Wow. Unless you're Henry VIII. Christmas crazy comes out every time he opens his mouth. Thank you. Um, but, but people forget, though, that he had been kind of written off before this. Yeah. Well, you he know, had the Kingle. Yeah, well, and he'd done Bigger and Deffer and all of those records, and people had sort of thought he'd gone. Well, fools have misjudged. Uh, and so he had to check the heads uh, on this. Do you think he jumped the proverbial uh, hip-hop shark when he did the I Need Love single, yes. which is sort of like That's the slow jam? So Girl, I'll be waiting. I need love. Show yourself. <laughs> yeah. He's got that fair light in the background. Yeah. That, I remember it's all like peach colored, like so perfect. I mean, but this song, really, whatever you want to say about the stuff he did after this, because he kind of started to suck again right after this song, but you can't, you can't. You can't say anything bad about this song. This no. song is unimpeachable. He really sucked when he made uh, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Let's not forget 14 shots to the dome, <laughs> okay. baby. Hi there. I'm Rick Emerson, and I am lame. Uh, top five musical comebacks of all time. Chris Paddock. Number two, Pink Floyd, A Momentary Lapse of Reason. I have to tell you how much I didn't want to put this on here. It, it, you, uh, this is sort of like a written-off album. No. By real fans. Well, because it's, it doesn't count. There's a lot of people who feel like without Roger Waters, it's not, you know, that it's sort of Pink Floyd light. Yeah. Floyd Incorporated or whatever. Do you admittedly think this was a, a great album of the 90s? I think it was a well-crafted album. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Bob Ezrin and Dave Gilmore did a great job of sort of fashioning a Pink Floyd... Dogs of War, really? Oh, I don't know. I just grabbed a random one. It should be, I, you know, it this should clean? really be... Uh, I don't know. It should really be... I learned, learned, you're going learning to fly. You said the fly was sort of... Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. fault. I'm oh. sorry. Uh, well, in any Good event... song, Dogs of War, nonetheless. I will say, uh, I will say this about Momentary Lapse of Reason. It, again, it is a well-crafted, well-fashioned album designed to sound a lot like classic Pink Floyd. Yeah, you have On the Turning Away... Yeah, I mean, it's a huge hit, and you know what? Resurrected a brand, and so you can't fault him for that from a business sense. I will mm-hmm. say that it's a bit it's a bit like, uh, you know, uh, like Paul and Ringo getting two other guys and touring as the Beatles, uh, to me. Yeah, so that's not It just right. seems a little wrong. But did you see them opinion. on that Live 8 when they all fo- fully reunited? Roger Waters and his one functioning vocal cord. Yes, and... Uh, <laughs> Bad acid wash jeans on during this. It's a lot of bad fashion statement. It's bad acid. A lot of bad acid. Ladies and gentlemen, top five musical comebacks of all time. Chris Paddock. Number one, Johnny Cash, American Reporting. Don't mean nothing. I got a friend named Whiskey Sam. He was my boony rat buddy for a year and them. He said, I think my country got a little off track. Took him 25 years Rick Rubin. to welcome me back. You know, it's hard to, again, remember a time when Johnny Cash was forgotten. 
written yeah. off. A good man I saw fall. Totally uh, written off. This is not the album that has uh, Hurt on it. I think that one falls. No, 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 no. That was, that was going for it. Yeah. But this has a cover of a Danzig song. This album has a song called 13. Yeah. But Rick Rubin uh, resurrected an icon who a lot of icons don't deserve saving. A lot of icons are resurrected by, you know, filmmakers or producers, and they are presented. They're presented to the public as sort of icons that were unjustly forgotten. But with Johnny Cash, it was all of it was justified. All right, we'll take a break. Come back after this, Chris Paddock. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm always glad to give out the crazy. We will return after this with a final news break from Heidi Tauber. Don't go anywhere. Back at the worshiping at the altar of pop culture minutia. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Only on AM 970, The Talker. Ladies and gentlemen, The Onion News. Only on AM 970, The Talker. Planet Earth is covered with babbling fools. Misguided nitwits who make your daily existence an unbearable, excruciating exercise in fairly contained hostility. At AM 970, we feel your pain. We know that you crave something better out of life, surroundings, and your entertainment. So tune in, keep listening, and let us maintain your sanity. Talking about the stuff you really like to talk about. This is AM 970, The Talker. The Rick Emerson Show continues only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, laid-off Portland media professional Heidi Tarver. And thank you, Rick, Sarah, again. Thank you so much for oh, having me here. Thank tough you. day. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And it's fun to, to tell news that's really not news, and it's not something you've heard or read anywhere else. So one of those is the coming from the Closet of Ironies. It's a sign at Carmel, California's middle school that was honoring the Spelling Bee contestant, mm-hmm. the winner of their school, seventh grader. <sighs> the sign is misspelled, and so is the kid's name. <laughs> wow, wow. The seventh grader spelling bee champ got a good laugh himself. At least he has a sense of humor when he got to school and saw that the school sign congratulating him on his spelling bee performance. Please tell me it had a D in congratulate. It, well, it looks like a D. No, they didn't. Not that one. No, it's oh. congratulate. They do have the T correctly, but congratulations looks like congratulate tons or congratulate D-N-S. It's just very weird. What city is this? Carmel, California. Oh, yeah. So you think that they would be a little smarter? That's a moneyed town, yes. is it not? Yep. Money doesn't bring in. Well, maybe money doesn't bring bring brains. They probably right? don't need to spell in Carmel. They have people for that. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Rosalie, well, they, get in here and spell something. <laughs> and and you get a million dollars a month to do it. Yeah. Um, his name also was misspelled. Well, you know what? Welcome to America, kid. It's just uh, it, it's just a, a sea of stupidity with a few uh, you know, unexpected uh, intellectual high points and that no are few spell check. And far between, but you know, I have to say, this is—I do blame the media, uh, you know, partially for things like this. this. Is what you get when you tell a generation of kids that the proper thing to say is an historic. Oh, thanks for thank you. So, like, when you just decide that you can just sort of pick apart rules of grammar and spelling and disregard them at your whim, and when you are allowed, I'm just the only thing I'm going to say about this. Uh-huh. When you are allowed to discard the Oxford comma with impunity, when you are allowed to say <laughs> an historic, and frankly. When just an entire country agrees to mispronounce the word as forte and no one calls them on it, that's what happens. Well, coming from a man who says often. I'm sorry, was that was that like a school teacher over your glasses, Tisk? <laughs> oh, I'm wearing glasses? Oh, no, 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 i got to say, I like it. All right, there you go. I'm just saying, that was... Uh, 
All right. I enjoy being corrected about grammar. So do you know who's here? I don't mean for that to sound creepy. Hello, what? Do you know who's here? Uh, I do not. Is it Eric, is it Eric, Eric the Vending guy? guy? All right. Hold on. Richie, I demand the presence of Eric the Vending Machine guy. Bring him to me shackled if you must. <laughs> all right. There we go. I heard that. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Okay Thank you so much. All right. Okay, we were, since you were talking about money, one of the big headlines that you may have heard already is the big settlement with Madonna and her ex-husband, Guy Ritchie, yeah. who sounds like, to me, a drummer in a band, Guy Ritchie. He gets $75 million from Madonna and their divorce. Apparently, it includes the value of the couple's country home in Western England. The one thing that is not included in this big, well-publicized settlement is the fact that no one knows who's getting custodial arrangements and with really, the kids. Also, first of all, that it's a $75 million settlement, that's an interesting choice of words, because it indicates that he probably wanted a lot more, mm. but that they settled for $75 million. Also included in this is really the, the, the priceless prize of no longer having to be near Madonna. So, you know, and, she's all grisly. Well, did you... Okay. <laughs> so I've heard that. I'm not but the one who like said it. Did, sleeping next to Madonna is like sleeping with... Uh, I don't think it was sleeping <laughs> next to. I think it was sleeping with. Uh, I think I he think said making... His husband, yes. I think he said having carnal knowledge of Madonna was a bit like, uh, you know, it was like a Slim Jim. Oh, didn't we all see that in Vogue? Yeah, I think we a, did. There you bad, go. And so. she, by the way, she also fell down on stage the other day in one of her concerts. Wait, hold on. Let's get... Really? Yep. It's on. It's on. I YouTube. demand footage. Yeah, it's dark. You kind of sort of can't see it, but it's you can't. You, she obviously slips. Nice. She's fifty. Dude, what's like that? Right. You remember seeing Beyonce uh, fall down the stairs? You remember no, seeing that? That one where she does like the face plant. But they removed it off YouTube almost immediately. It's like you had to see it within about five minutes, or it was just gone. <laughs> but Beyonce comes down and she's singing. I don't know, some crap, and then dun-dun-dun, bam, right into the stage. It was like the most... And then the best part, though, is her immediately afterwards saying, please nobody put that on YouTube, and to which everybody goes, yeah, sure, like up from the concert, <laughs> uploading it. Yeah. All right. uh, uh, we will uh, wrap up our news here in just anyway. a moment. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, a man whose presence really has not been felt in this building Literally. in some time, Eric the Vending Machine Guy. Uh, hi. Glad that you were able to find your way to the building. Uh, you moved it on me. Uh huh. So, <laughs> so what's, what's up? That's lame. Let's talk about a little thing called slack. <laughs> is, this, is this a Howard Stern-esque dressing down in the studio? Uh, I, it, it's really just a, like we got two vending machines in the kitchen that I guess are now for purely decorative purposes because there's no actual food of any kind in there. Yeah, no, they're holding the floor down. What is it? What is up with that? <laughs> just uh, I've had trouble getting around lately. Just okay, so I can understand today if you were having trouble getting around, you know, with the roads and whatnot. But it's been perfect. Your legs there. are working. <laughs> legs are working. Fans working? No, I have. I mean, I you don't realize we've been solely out of, uh, totally out of Viso for like a week and a half now. Viso, I do have a problem with. They change. I have a new supplier, Viso, uh -huh. and I used to have a really nice agreement with my old supplier, mm -hmm. as in I call they jump. Uh -huh. And the new one and I don't have the same agreement so quite yet, same understanding. Pass the buck. Uh, seriously, no, no. I, that's the only thing that I have an excuse for. How does that? I was going to say, what about the famous? Everything famous what about our delicious snack treats? So the snack <laughs> treats, yeah, I have no excuse. I do have munchies though this time. Uh huh. All right. So, Which are your was this a scheduled visit to the building today, or yeah. did, were you here because Sarah so did called? You miss, did you miss any scheduled visits before? Yeah, I've been like about a week behind lately. You don't really have any explanation for this, do you? No. Maybe there All is right. an explanation. It's something really terrible. Is this something we, we can't ask about on the air? Oh no, God! It's like do you have cancer. No. Oh, please tell me you don't have cancer. You know what he looks like? It's like... always cancer. Whenever I press somebody and they always go, look, look it's cancer. Wait, and what do you know? Okay, do you remember the the host of Talk Soup after Greg Kinnear, uh, yes, John Henson? I do. Doesn't he look like John Henson? I could see that. Oh, uh, yeah, a little I bit. Know, sorry. Yeah, and wait, hold on, hold on. Sharp-looking guy. No, 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 no. Saying? <laughs> no. It's a good-looking fellow. No, and also, and I can't. Is he a slacker too? Is wait, that what I'm hearing? I can't quite place it. You look exactly like somebody. Who is it? 
the uh, country dude. Uh, well, you kind of, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, uh, or, um, no, no. Kenny Chesney? It's yeah. Kenny yeah, Chesney a little bit. There's well, also, that is a hot-looking dude. No, no, no. There's also, should be proud of. I'm nobody else. There's somebody else, and it's just outside. Uh, it's pointless. I'm going to sit here and drive myself crazy. There's, there's an actor. There's an actor that you kind of look like, and I can't quite conjure it up inside my head. Right, I'll think about it as soon as you're done. All right. Well, I'm just saying, you know. So, due so to circumstances beyond your control, you've let us go visa list for weeks. No, it's it's mostly been within my control. We've got needs, Eric. That's the point we're trying to make here. So, uh, if should I, I fill Rick's needs? It's a good day. <laughs> Sorely lacking crew here. <laughs> so should we expect that the vending machine will continue to be empty? Because I'll make alternate plans. Don't get me wrong. No. Well, I still don't have visa today. They're supposed to be here, whatever. Right, you know, I was waiting and waiting. No dice. Right, but so as soon as I get it, which won't be tomorrow, I know. You know, is it, it's a pleasure. Oh, good, Heidi. That was proud. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'll, I'll be here all week. No, it's... Well, okay. So we can expect this to be remedied at some point in the immediate future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, and, there you go. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Eric, the vending machine guy. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> yes, try away. to get back to the try to get back to the kitchen so you can do a whole lot of not filling yeah, the machine. Have the lawn Could in you there. give me some direction to the kitchen too? I seem to have lost mine. Thank you, Eric. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, we breaking here. Yeah. All right, break. We'll come back. Final segment with Heidi Tauber, uh around the corner. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Rick Emerson Radio Program, uh, an exercise in amusement. Back after this. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show wishes a very happy birthday to our friend and colleague, Bobby Fatboy Roberts. Radio Center in downtown Portland. This is the news. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, in our final news segment of, the, uh, segment of the day, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley, laid off Portland media professional, Heidi Tauber. And this one last story is kind of a kick because we all know what Millie Vanilli was famous for. Yes. Of course, the infamous lipstick 
drama. Well, now Kanye West is on that list. He added himself to the roster of music's most infamous onstage mishaps on Saturday, Saturday Night Live of all things, when he failed to nail his performance of Love Lockdown on SNL. Uh, to be fair, West's greatest strengths lie in rapping and producing, and this was his first shot at actually singing. Love Lockdown and the album from which it hails is uh, 808s and Heartbreak. is his first foray into singing, but whether by fault or his own or because of audio equipment, his attempt to serenade SNL's audience came off as a freebie at best, fueling rumors that he requires a little help in now, the vocals, and he couldn't lip sync. Now, did anybody see this? Mm-mm, I, I didn't. didn't. So, I mean, what is it? So, what is the deal? I mean, what is? Remember, it's that weird. It's that new album. It's like. Um, well, he does the he does the, that's, the that's auto tune on his yeah. voice that shared that. Do you believe in love? That whole thing. Yeah. So apparently, it didn't come off very well, and looked it looked dummied up. Okay. So in other words, so it's not that he was trying to sing and failing. Was it he trying to lip sync and, and failing? Fail? Yes. I didn't really see that. That's, that's what I thought. That's what I, that's how I read this. But you know, I can't I, tell whether I'm supposed to be watching SNL now so I can remain, uh, you know, like up to speed on pop culture or not. I, if you, yeah, it was once. If you, anybody missed the Sarah Palin event right. on SNL, then every week it's like, oh, I hope there's something that good. It was just I would. Uh, <laughs> I just like to know whether I have to keep watching and see now stories like this. It's like gives me one more thing I have to do on the weekend so that oh, I can talk about you know, crap YouTube on Monday. It and you'll, you'll find hey, you can always YouTube it the next I mean, I, I will say this uh, because Kanye West getting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, I don't know crap from different quarters for that album, and I and his like, mom and all that stuff. Well, the album. You know, here's the thing: is like the album is not. Uh, it's not something I would sit and listen to probably because that because that that auto tune like vocoder effect gets really old for me really quickly. I will say this: uh, the the music on the album. I mean, the the musical underpinnings are really fantastic. If that album was available in an instrumental version, I would absolutely buy because the production on it's fantastic. And I can take a little bit of that auto-tune vocal because like, uh, like Cher did it and Kid Rock did it and T- that guy T-Pain does it like all the time. Um, and so it, it is, I think, a legitimate production tool. It's a legitimate technique that one can use in the studio to, you know, it's, it's just like another tool in the toolbox or another, <laughs> ba- you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I mean, because, you know, musicians, I mean, the, the Beatles used to play stuff backward. And, of course, Peter Frampton used to do that thing of sing- singing through the talk box. And, but just like about 49 minutes of that is just a, it's a bit much. So points I know for, somebody who's obsessed with that album. And it's just on constantly. And I liked it at first. And I'm just like. Mm, it's too much. It just sounds like the, it sounds like the same thing over right, and over. Right, and the thing is, because it is such an accepted production technique, especially in the hip hop world right now, everybody thinks that that's kind of why he's using it. He's going, oh, you know, it's very in vogue. He's using the vocoder, the the auto tune, whatever you want to call it. When he's re- expanding his horizon. Which, and I think that will be okay if you're using it occasionally on an album, because again, then it's just another production technique as a way to sort of augment the sound. When you're doing it for a whole album, really, the, the reality is you just can't sing. I mean, Kanye West good at a lot of things. Singing, not one of them. Uh, take what is probably our final call for the day. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Amuse us. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hello, hi. Hey, I, I caught that footage of Madonna slipping and falling on stage on E.T. last night, and the creepy thing about it was, is right after she fell on her ass, she got up and went over and did this long, lingering kiss to one of her uh, backup singers. It was quite. Uh, was it a woman? Disturbing. Yes. Well, of course, because that's the that's the Madonna uh, method, right? That is the sort of default. Don't look over here, but look over here. Seriously, yeah. something yeah. bad happened. Watch, I'm doing something scandalous. Uh, you know, and so that is. I think at a certain point, that kind of becomes your uh, that becomes your go-to when you're Madonna. You know. Uh, all right. Thank you, sir. Yep. Bye.
All right, thank you. How, where are we at? Are we, at a... Uh, we got a little over a minute. So, All right. Uh, Heidi Topper, first of all, I yeah. want to say uh, with all sincerity, you did a great job today. Thank you so much it. in tolerating our that juvenile How fun to have parameters so wide. Well, that's a polite <laughs> way of putting it. Thank you. That's, that is the nicest way that somebody has ever called us unprofessional. So. <laughs> oh, no. It's been, a, it's been a blast. I appreciate so much the opportunity and great to, great to get back on. Well, and Unlike another friend of mine who in this business has been laid off and says he's done with it, it's in your blood, yeah. most of us. Well, and I, I do admire, you and I were talking about that person. I admired the person who said, I've broken the radio habit. I no longer, you know, because every time you get fired, you're like, screw it, I'm never going back. But then, you know, after like a three weeks of that, you're just like, screw it, I want back. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it is, it is kind of great and terrible. Um, so, uh, you so know, how do people is... get a hold of you? Like... Oh, good question. I um, Actually, someone set this web page or website up or email address. Let's put it that way. Simple. Email address for me after I got blown out at, at the last station. KPS. And it, it's, it's Heidi Tauber, H-E-I-D-I, Tauber, T-A-U-B-E-R, all one lowercase, at gmail.com. And I'll I put that email. to... I'll Lisa put it on my website as well, so That's folks want to track great. you down, get a hold of you. That's great. Um, and, and a it, podcast, I believe. I, I was listening to you, you guys on your podcasts for absolutely. the last couple weeks, so that's fun, too. And you know what? Not to get melodramatic about it, but I, uh, I'm i glad that you were able to kind of, uh, you know, give an explanation as to how things sort of came to an end last time. Because it's all out there. That That is all most radio people really want when the end of the road comes at whatever station they're at. is just a chance to say thank you and goodbye, and we'll talk down the road. And then you can vent. Yeah. So we're uh, we're glad you <laughs> came on. Thanks. 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 And break things. All right. Thanks so much, Well, guys. thank you so much, Heidi Tauber. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Heidi Tauber at gmail.com. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, the talker in the newsroom, Heidi Tauber on the phone, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress is Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. We want to thank senior radio correspondents, Jim Roop, Amanda Moya, Lisa Dejardin, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, and Eric, the vending machine guy, like us next, Michael Maris Show at 7. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for And goodbye now. There's cheerleaders in... Fantastic.